Welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. It's uh, Jeremy and Corey. Yo, yo. And uh, we're excited for today. Uh, before we get into it, we have a special guest. And before we announce him, he's ready. He wants he wants the mic, but not yet. Um, we have a few quick announcements. Actually, just one. I think. Yeah, just one. Just wanted to mention that we do have our uh, cultivateandkeep.com slash favorites. Zach, have you ever been to our favorites page? Yeah, I just was today. Really? Good answer. Okay. I'm so happy. What, what did you go there for? You know, I was looking for your Twitter because you guys say you ask your guests questions. And I was like, oh, please don't want to tweet it about me. <laughs> so that's how I stumbled upon it. So I didn't actually look at the page that long, but mm, I very okay. technically was there. Okay. You were there. Okay. That's all right. I'm just curious. It's like a passing grade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing grade. Mm-hmm. C minus. Yeah. I'll give you. Scrape by. Okay, cool. Uh, but we have our favorites page. It's a specially curated page of all of our favorite books, websites, podcasts, resources for you. Uh, we just added one today, uh, which is the Set Free Course. So shout out to them, setfreecourse.com. Um, it's, a, it's a special kind of um, course they put together on uh, getting free from, porno- from pornography. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy found it on yeah. the IG and we decided to add it. So yeah. it looks pretty legit. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. Cool. Also, uh, LT, if you're listening, that's right. Tim Tebow. Tim, wait, what, what are you waiting for, bro? Your time's coming. Yeah. We'll put it's you inevitable. on the map. That's right. <laughs> we'll put you on the map. Kind of. Um, we'll put you back on the map. Back. <laughs> wow, that was Got low. Him. That was low. Tim, I, I, if, you, if you're listening, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, anyway, tonight we have uh, Zach Hayes. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we put in applause right there? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Shh, yeah. Wow. Um, so we've known Zach for a while. He's uh, been a part of our church foothills in Oklahoma. And right now he is uh, doing a lot a- and with ministry. He's really involved with the college-aged um, guys at our church. And he's kind of, uh, I think that's like a sweet spot for him, kind of where his heart is. And so we, um, I was hanging out with him a few months ago. And we were talking and um, we just had some a good conversation. So I thought that we would have him on and kind of just talk about him, kind of uh, learn about him and talk a bit about what he's doing. So... Um, why don't we just start off kind of like we ask every guest, uh, tell us about your upbringing, your family, kind of how you grew up, um, kind of how you came to the Lord and what makes Zach Hayes today. Okay. So I'm I have sure you really thought all this out. You have a nice I script. have. Yeah. I was listening to you guys talk to Jenny and I was like, oh, my testimony is going to be so much better. And I started <laughs> listening to Jenny. I was like, man, I got to like add some stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, similar to some of your past guests. I did not grow up in the church, uh, but I had a very, very good family. Um, my dad and my mom always stayed together. We didn't talk to a lot of our outside, fa- like any of our outside family. So it was just us four uh, with my younger brother. And we played a lot of sports. Like that was a defining feature. I was playing sports year round from when I was like seven to like 18. Um, soccer, baseball, football, all the things you guys weren't very good at. Just kidding. Wow. We should have gone over that. Like rules, like do not insult the host. Never insult the, ho- the yeah. host. <laughs> oh, no, they're going to cut me off. <laughs> you know, that was a great interview. Thanks for, for coming. <laughs> great testimony. Uh, uh, um, okay. So yeah, had a, a really good upbringing, but just not a Christian. Uh, my mom grew up a Christian. She wanted to bring us to church, but my dad did not. Um, so we didn't go. And for a long time, I largely considered myself an atheist. I started coming to Foothills 
in seventh grade, uh, my best friend Nick Villarino invited me on an airsoft night, and I was like, sick. I don't care what they talk about. I want to shoot people with fake guns. <laughs> and uh, so I did that and started going to camps. And I think I gave my life to the Lord, but I'm not quite sure how all that worked because I definitely like fell away later. Uh, mm. As soon as I got into high school, um, I really considered myself an atheist. Like I largely despised Christians. I thought they were annoying. I thought they were fake. Um, yeah, but... Um, I wasn't a bad kid. Um, I didn't drink until I think my senior year. I never did drugs. That was like a tenet of Zach Hayes that everyone respected was Zach Hayes doesn't smoke pot. He doesn't do drugs. <laughs> Don't ask his little brother to do drugs because Zach Hayes will beat you up even though he's really <laughs> skinny. Don't mess with him, which I don't know how that got established, but I was like, I was like okay, I'm not questioning it. Um, and... Yeah, I, I found myself fitting into this role of class clown. I loved making people laugh. I got really bad grades in high school. Like my junior year, I had a .7 GPA. A .7? Yeah. Which what is that? Not even a whole number. Okay, before you say the thing everyone always says, you have to try to do that bad. <laughs> okay, no, you do not. You just <laughs> don't try at all, and uh, you do that bad. Um, I, I just really didn't care about school. I really resented everyone telling me I needed a degree to be anything. And I was like, you don't know me. You don't know what I can do. I'm a rapper. I was a dancer, actually. <laughs> don't that. look me up. <laughs> um, and so things were going good. I was pretty well liked. Um, and then I got this girlfriend. I really like made my whole life about her. I was going to get married to her. Uh, she told me, she's like, Zach, if you don't graduate high school, uh, I'm going to break up with you. And I was like, oh, man. So senior year, went to school. Um, from six to like nine at night every day, making up all the credits I messed up. I've graduated high school. She, uh, we just stuff happened and we ended up breaking up and I fell into the spiraling depression, uh, started partying a lot. Um, still wasn't doing drugs, but people were joking about slipping drugs into my stuff. <laughs> it's a little um, scary. Yeah. I was like, that's not funny. Um, yeah, but I remember, and, uh, and I'll wrap it up here. Um, one time my brother said in that time when I was really depressed and suicidal, um, I wanted to kill myself, but I was just, I, I would call it a cowardice. I just couldn't do it. Um, but I remember my brother said like, yeah, Zach, you'd go out every night. And I used to legitimately wonder if you were actually going to come home or if we were going to find you dead someday. Um, I had a lot of people praying for me. And a couple months later, after some cool prophecies about my mom and her oldest son coming back to the Lord, um, I got saved and came back to church and I was mm. on fire and, uh, um, yeah, I just got super involved doing a bunch of ministry and, uh, that's, that's like my testimony. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did that whole thing happen with like, you know, you're sort of in the pit of, you know, kind of depression and of sin and kind of, you know, trying to find yourself and what it's all about. And, and then, <clears throat> You said that you just kind of come back and there's a lot of like prophecy involved. I mean, how did you end up coming back yeah. to church and, and being saved? Like, you know, what was that yeah. whole experience like? Um, okay. The place I was at was extremely low and difficult. Um, I, did, I didn't want to live anymore. I felt like I had conquered the world. Like I had all, I dated all the prettiest girls in high school. I was so good at sports. I was so funny. I had everything a high school guy could want and it everything the world could like offer me. And I was like, I'm done. Like I, I won. 
I guess, and I don't like it. <laughs> I just want to mm. be done. Mm. And I, that was, that's like. It's like a scary place to be. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's hard to bring yourself out of that. Like, but. Uh, you have to re-motivate yourself, even from like a secular kind of point of yeah. view. It's, um, that's mm. like the wall that's maybe too hard to climb. I, I don't know. Um, I, so the prophecy, um, Ken Fish, my mom went up and she, she said, he said to my mom, um, hey, by the way, you have another son and you don't believe this, but he's going to come back soon. And that was like, no way. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Like, Zachary's going to come to church again? Like, no way. And uh, someone else had another prophecy for my brother that I was going to come back soon and he was going to be very instrumental. He's going to be a good friend to me, which was like, no way. Because he was the Christian I was the most critical of that I maybe mm. despised the most. Mm. And... Um, I was just at such a low point. Someone invited me to church and I was like, what do I have to lose? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so done. Like, whatever, I'll go back. And uh, I walked into Dave Matranga's home group and that was the most welcome I have ever felt in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like people just that I'd never met just wanted to talk to me and were just happy I was there. And, uh, and that was like intoxicating. I was so used to people only wanting to talk to me or bring me to places because I was funny mm-hmm. or um, it was mostly that. Um, but these people just, they didn't know me, but they loved me. And uh, I just kept coming <laughs> and I gave my life to the Lord. There was a pretty girl involved too. Um, but There always is. <laughs> yeah. Every time. Guys. So um, how ol- old were you when that happened, when you came back? I, I was like. I had just turned 18. Hmm. Okay, so, and then you started leading the group with David, right? So, yeah, after like you get came back and got saved, like, what happened, what took you from, like, just coming back, being, like, a like a newbie Christian to, yeah. like, I'm involved, like, leading people, oh. and I'm, like, I'm knowledgeable, you know? Like, what, what was that like, and how did that yeah. happen? Oh, you guys, this is such a great can of worms. <laughs> okay, so I said there's a pretty girl involved. Um at that home group, I saw like the prettiest girl I'd ever met. And I was like, I'm going to date her. And uh, I was like, how do I date her? And she was super smart. I don't want to drop her name because uh, it'll just be weird. And it wasn't my wife. My wife is the most wonderful person I've ever met, the most beautiful woman. Uh, <laughs> I was but it wasn't her. I was waiting go. for that. Good job. So, okay. Good job, Zach. Uh, I love you. <laughs> um, but this girl was super smart. She was like, I think she's like three years older than me. Um, and all the guys like this girl. Uh, but I was like, man, I got to step my game up. If I want this girl to like me, I got to actually know who Jesus is <laughs> and what the difference between him and Moses is. And, um, so I had devised a plan. I was like, I got to learn the basics. Um, so I was like, so I got to get into kids church. How do I attend kids church? <laughs> And, uh, kids search to learn, the, not to yeah. like with the kids, just because uh, you wanted to sit in the lessons. That's yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, that's smart, some, though. I've never heard this kind of like I know. divisive plan, but I like it. This is weird. <laughs> um, so uh, someone asked me, they're like, hey, Zach, you're really good with kids. Like, could you cover my shift? And I was like, bingo. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, in. I'm it's all just, going to plan. Yeah. I'm just going to pretend like I know what I'm doing. And really, I'm just going to be a leader in the back. I'm going to be taking notes. And uh, I did that for like a year and a half. And 
that's all it took me to learn the Bible. I learned it all. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I got a job doing kids ministry. And so I was preaching messages to kids. I had like three kids clubs. I had a kids church service. I had a junior high uh, group. So I was preaching and studying and just reading. Like I was going to like two different home groups. I was going to common ground. So I had just saturated my life with the Bible, with Jesus. And, uh, yeah, I learned a lot really quickly. Uh, one of the biggest things, other than like sneaking my way into kids' church, which I'm sorry if any parents are listening and you're like, that heathen. <laughs> um, uh, one of the biggest things was I was willing to ask really dumb questions. And I thought it was so s- silly that no one else would. Hmm. Like, I remember one time I asked people, I was like, what is holiness? And all the people who had been Christians longer than me hmm. were like, uh, I don't have a, I don't know. Just go. Don't ask that in mm. group. Like we all kind of, we all know the. You word. just know. You just feel it. Yeah, and I started <laughs> asking stuff like that. Well, what is grace? And I would see people scoff at me like he's so dumb. And I'd ask people, and and they wouldn't know. So I just started asking the questions that I knew made me look dumb, but I knew I was actually learning stuff. Um. So I learned a lot just mm. by being willing to be dumb, yeah. being willing to look stupid in front of everyone, and ask something as simple as. Um, what is salvation? What is grace? What is holiness? Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. That's good, dude. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of um. I I could definitely imagine. Maybe I've even heard a couple of those questions. Maybe I think it was maybe before my time at that home group, but uh, it, it feels like asking a dumb question feels wrong on a couple of different levels. It feels wrong of like I feel really dumb, but also it maybe makes the speaker feel kind of dumb of like this isn't yeah. making sense to me or like you're almost like yeah. challenging them in a way. And then it also makes you like kind of look dumb in front of other people. Yeah. But like you said, if it's the most, um, it's the most like informa- like informative way of like getting to an answer. Like, it, yeah. and if, if you don't ask it, um, I mean, I always find, especially like, you know, professionally, um, yeah. I, you know, I still ask them questions or at least try to, uh, in like more of like a Christian setting or yeah. a church setting. But even professionally, it's like you, you normally kind of realize that most other people are thinking that same question. They just don't have the guts to kind of ask it. Yeah. And then once you ask it, they're like kind of thinking like, oh, thank God. Like someone mm-hmm. like now they're taking notes like, oh, yeah, that really makes sense. Yeah. And it's always the most simple ones that like get the best response. Yeah. And and now I'm in a place where uh, so I'm teaching like I'm a college pastor at our church, uh, home group pastor. Um, if I'm, if I'm asking like, what is holiness? I'm going to get some like funny looks. And I think that's where a lot of people found themselves as they had built up this social stigma and they had to kind of maintain that. Um, so like now I, it's harder for me to ask questions. It's harder for me to be humble. Hmm. Um, like I still wonder what's the difference between Moses and Jesus. And I can't <laughs> ask that anymore. You know? That's a joke. Then you have to go Google it and Google yeah. will tell you. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah, oh, that's a whole different rabbit hole, but um, yeah, I was just in the sweet spot of, of being able to really do that and being, trying to be humble. And, uh, but yeah, I think it's better off when people, like you said, ask stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's better for everyone. Um, hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, and I think for a home group too, especially like leading, um, well, I think even just like evangelism as a whole from a higher level, if you can make someone comfortable enough to like feel like they can ask a really dumb question or like a really mm-hmm. basic question or like kind of go like yeah. back and like, okay, like forget everything I, you just said. Like, can we go back to the beginning and kind of start here? 
yeah then like you know totally. you've got them and like that's a really great place to be mm-hmm. on both ends but when you're just like kind of talking to someone and it's like going through one ear and you know out the other and yeah. it's like not really kind of like sticking because you're sort of over their head a little bit yeah it doesn't really do mm-hmm. do much good like you have to really try hard to make someone comfortable enough to be like yeah wait a second can we like stop way back here where you started and yeah and you you guys can probably relate to this with your high school boys that's like part of our job is diagnosing their knowledge, the things that they know, the things that they commonly interact with and using those things to build upon. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, something uh, I made a dude cry once in junior high group. Cause, um, he gave this amazing message, super detailed. And I learned a lot from it, but these junior high boys didn't, um, I was like, Hey, like that was a waste of time for them. <laughs> They're not going to remember the uh, systematic theology of this and this and this. Like, we need to engage them. We need to ask those questions and, and get into the nitty gritty. And like you said, facilitate this environment for them to feel comfortable saying, I don't know that. Yeah. And that's hard to do, mm-hmm. but it's really important. But like, you had to do that as a home group pastor too, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember doing uh, a higher ground club, which is sort of an extension of Foothills Ministry where you do like a Christian club at lunch at a high school or a middle school or uh, even at a elementary school, but it's under a different name. But I was doing one at um, El Cajon Valley, which is like a really kind of... It's ghetto, man. Yeah, it's a really ghetto. It's a <laughs> really you. rough... <laughs> fits me well. Yeah. It's like seven black that. man. That pretty, fits you. <laughs> pretty much the... I'm pretty sure I was the only white person I ever saw there. Um, not that it has anything to do yeah. with race. It's I went just... to school there, and I was like the only white kid there. <laughs> Wait, really? You did? Yeah. I thought you went to Valhalla. Well, you did, but... Oh, the, I went to the middle school. Oh, the middle school. Okay. <laughs> so I was doing a Christian club at El Cajon Valley High School. Yeah. And um, and I, I remember... So I was doing it with Danny Esslinger, who was like at the time the high school pastor of Foothills, and now he's the counseling pastor. And I was sort of taking over from him. Oh, man. And so... That's... <clears throat> that's big time bro it, it is yeah. big time yeah, yeah. And he had been doing it for like i think like eight years or something it was oh, sort of like man. his first one kind of his baby but anyways it was a similar conversation when i gave my first message there and he was like that was awesome but it was way too long they had no idea what you're talking about yeah. and you have to like really get back down to the basics like they're like you're talking about christianity and they don't even know what christianity is like yeah if you're talking about the bible they don't even know what the bible is um, but it was a really cool place to go and, and then like go back to the very beginning and like talk about, you know, these really foundational questions. And then, like you said, it kind of brings up in yourself, like, well, like, do I really know this? And yeah. And so I would talk about that. I'm like, Hey guys, just FYI, you know, when I was preparing for this message, what I was going to talk about, you know, for the next 10 minutes, I realized that I didn't really know this that well. So if there's any questions that you have that are like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, feel free to ask me because I was just in the same place earlier this week. Yeah. And I think that's been my success in college ministry is having learned to teach kids and Hmm. teach the basics and and teach basic stories and build off that. Um, I mean, I'm so glad that was how I learned how to Mm -hmm. teach was teaching elementary school kids because it carries over well, I think. Yeah. Well, um, we'll get to that. I, I kind of like, I wanted to follow like the train of events of who makes Zach Hayes. So, oh, yeah. um, Jesus did. Yeah. Well, a- after, um, like really finding the Lord and kind of recommitting, getting involved and chasing that 
mystery woman. Yeah. Um, tell us how you uh, developed more and kind of got married um, and met your wife and all that. Oh, man, I don't think about a lot of these things, but that's such a good question. Um, you know, I remember telling you guys this group that uh, there's so much more to a testimony than just how you got saved. There's a lot more after, and I think that's maybe the more significant stuff. And um, so I dated that girl. And, um, and she was wonderful, but it it just didn't work out. And after that, I was like, man, I have like dated all the people I've ever wanted to date and I'm not, it doesn't make me any happier. Hmm. So I was just like, I'm done with dating. (laughs) I don't even want to get married anymore. I just want to do ministry. I love doing ministry. I love serving these kids and hanging out with them. And, um, so I was done. Um, super funny story. One of my best friends, Garrett Campbell, was talking to this woman, uh, Corianne, and he thought she was really pretty. And uh, at a at a camp, a Christian camp, um, Garrett was the intern, and he might get in trouble for this, but he went <laughs> to take a nap during uh, the free time, and he's supposed to be helping Corianne with the cotton candy machine. <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, you left her hanging." So I went and helped her, and was just having like so much fun with her. She's so funny. And uh, then Garrett went away to college. And, and he swooped. Dude, Dang. I feel Savage. a little bad. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, she's great. That's um, awesome. But I texted him. I was like, hey, uh, me and this girl have been talking. Like, are you still talking to her? Can I talk to her? And I was fully prepared to cut it off. And uh, he's like, yeah, you can talk to her. Um, so we started talking. And, man, she is just so fun and so wonderful. And, uh I was like, I want to marry this woman. I think my favorite thing about Corianne was her heart for ministry. Um, I was like, that's who I want to be my wife, is someone who who loves kids like that, who, who loves people like that. Hmm. Um, so then sped up. Uh, we were dating for like three years or something. One of my buddies proposed to his girlfriend, and I was like, I felt this like weird pressure um, that I shouldn't have necessarily given into. I've um, been there, bro. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> this guy right here. Corey. Oh, I was like, why did you hit me? What the? What did I do? <laughs> like, the, I didn't do anything to Zach. Put, the, about yourself. put the pressure was, on me. <laughs> Corey. Corey's the guy I was talking about. Uh, but uh, he proposed to his wife, and I was like, whoa, yeah, I, I gotta propose too. It's real, bro. Uh, it's real. It is a real thing. I know mm. someone who did that because I proposed, and I know friends who felt pressure <laughs> when I proposed to like get there. Well, do you want to know why? Like the reason why? Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> My yeah, what, what well, is this? My, my experience um, It's not that like if Corey proposes, then I feel pressure. It's that my girlfriend at the time oh. <laughs> puts the pressure on me. Yeah. If they're getting engaged, why can't we get engaged? That's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how Connie sounds, but uh, that's how it goes, in case you were wondering. You're but welcome. sometimes you need a little push, you know? I remember that. I remember Fran <laughs> saying just that, like, they're getting married. When are you going to? Oh, that sounds a little <laughs> naggy, like the tone, you know? It's like more naggy than that. <laughs> just kidding. We, Me and my wife can joke about that. That's funny. Um, so I bought the ring, um, and I was ready to propose, and I, I had it all planned out. And I felt God say to me, you never asked me if you should marry this woman. And I was like, please no, please don't do this to me. I bought the ring. I told all my friends, we have the proposal planned. Like you got, you can't be serious. So I had to like delay it a little bit. Well, can we stop right there? Like, I think that's a good topic. Like 
you you felt God tell you that and yeah. um like how like what in what way did you hear that I've never had an audible voice I get these like super strong impressions <laughs> and uh I was like sitting just doing something really random um I don't remember what it was is it that random and I just felt that like <laughs> careen into me just you never asked me and I was like that's so true. I never did ask you. I was just going to get married, like the second biggest decision in my life. And I didn't ask you. I, oh gosh. <laughs> I was like so panicked. So that that's how it happened. It, it's not like I wasn't up on a mountain and got like a tablet <laughs> that said, you never asked me. Well, you never asked yeah, me. Period. I mean, I was asking cause like you hear that, like, Oh God yeah. told me. And I feel like people like throw that, throw that around a lot. And so it's easy yeah. to hear that and kind of write it off. So yeah, that's a really, yeah. I mean, it's a super flippant thing people mm-hmm. say. Um, I am so, 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 so sure that was the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't throw that around very casually. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe that's the most sure I've ever heard him talk to me. Um, so I, I brought myself to a place where when I asked him if I could marry Corianne, if he said no, I would break it off completely. And that was really hard. Like I had bought the ring. It was expensive and there's no refunds. <laughs> um, no refunds. Where did you get that thing from? Some sort of street dealer or like a weird Persian like dealership. Mm. <laughs> I had to trade like a bunch of fitting. Yeah. I had to trade a white BMW for it. <laughs> <laughs> three years salary. <laughs> yeah. Um, three months by the way. Three months. So <laughs> three years. <laughs> I <laughs> it's an office joke, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I asked him, and he's like, yeah, I love that girl. He, he didn't say that. But <laughs> I, I felt like confirmation, like, yeah, um, I want you to marry her. And I did. And the wedding planning season was, like you guys have said, a great just crucible for marriage. <laughs> it's um, a test. Yeah. It was rough, man. Okay, so no one ever told me that, like, Corey, I'm actually still bitter that you, yeah, didn't, you didn't warn me. I like, don't think I really did. You were fresh out of it, and like you I think I was it. just so in it that I didn't have time to like help me or like warning, warning. Yeah, I mean, it was like nothing like I expected it to be. It, it, don't get me wrong; it, there was good, but it was hard, mm. dude. Like really hard, and yeah. um, I didn't expect that. And I, yeah, I, I'm, just, I wonder like how often it goes that way. And yeah, I feel like most I've most people I've been talking with, like that's what happened, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and a big thing was just coordinating with our families and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. who's paying for what. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had told Corian, I was like, Hey, we're not going to let anybody pay for anything for our wedding that if they say, Hey, we're paying for this. So it has to be this way. We can't tell them, no, we'll pay for it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we did that and um, it was still stressful. But uh, like you guys have said, I look back and I don't remember my wedding day very well and I wish we would have eloped and saved however many <laughs> thousands of dollars. But weddings are great. You guys should get married. Use uh, <laughs> wedding tables from uh, Jeremy. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, then we found ourselves married and um, it, Corian and I are very different. Um, so we clash but I feel like we always come to a very good answer and we balance each other out really well. I'm like super blessed because of that, like I think about this a lot that I don't know if I could have made a better person to compliment my weaknesses, mm. um, than Corianne. She makes me a better man in every way. 
and um, she loves all the same stuff I love. I like lizards and <laughs> tarantulas mm-hmm. and like the zoo. Coran loves all that stuff. Um, we just went to Peru to go to the Amazon rainforest for our vacation. Oh. And uh, she was stoked about that. <laughs> and I was like, I talked to a bunch of other people and they're like, oh, my wife would never want to do that. And I was like, <laughs> well, it sucks we could have died. But yeah, yeah, it was great. And now we're here. I love when it's silent, when it's like, <laughs> no one says anything. Yeah. Um, okay. Check well, I was going to ask, like, what um, have been some challenges, but you've kind of already started that. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Um, what I want to ask you. Um, How long have you guys been married? Yeah, first okay. of all? Too long. <laughs> Just kidding. Really? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, it's been like two and a half years. Okay. I can be questionable on that because she doesn't know. Mm. So she mm. won't get mad at me. But yeah, um, two and a half. So before I got married, I had I remember there was one night I was with like you, Isaiah Lepper, Zach. Uh, oh, I remember your, your this. Zach, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what? Uh, Wes might have been there. Yeah, Wes. And um, dude, that was awesome. I don't think I've ever, I've ever told you, but that was like super impactful. So thank you. Dude, um, dude, I was I, like, man, we gave Jeremy such crappy advice. <laughs> I'm so sad <laughs> we didn't have better stuff. That's so mm-hmm. encouraging to you, hear. You really felt that way? Yeah, I was like, we didn't have any good. Well, I liked it because it was super informal and um. It was just like me with like four married guys, like young married guys, just asking questions. And dude, you guys like, I felt like gave me such like raw, like real information that was super, super valuable. And I feel like I often like remember that night and like remember yeah. what you said. Um, and, and I don't know, man, like you, I think you guys all like just said a lot of like just good, like bottom line is good stuff. I'm, yeah. try, I'm trying to recall right now like what you may have said. Um, I think Isaiah, his advice like, stuck out to me the most. Yeah. Um, he's a wise man. Yeah, dude. Um, so I want to ask you kind of like, I feel like that night there was a lot of like nitty gritty, like detailed, like, um, you guys kind of just shared like what goes on in marriage, like what are the struggles you have? And so I want to ask you like with you and Corian, like you said, like you're very different. It's like, what are some like just issues that come up and like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Our biggest issue is probably um, how we handle our finances. And I'm like, my mentality is uh, probably not correct. And it's like, (laughs) the Lord's always provided for me. You're starting off great, (laughs) by the way. I know, I know. I'm going to get... I love where this is going. (laughs) But uh, I'm like, you know, the Lord's always provided for me. I've always been so generous with my finances. And... um, I've never been in debt. I've never, like, I don't know. I've never needed anything. He's always provided for me. So I'm, like, super generous. Um, Corianne is, like, the most, like, maybe third most, like, frugal person I've ever met. Mm. Like, I married her, and I inherited so much money. And I was like, oh, this is so (laughs) cool. We can give so much. (laughs) And she's like, that's not how that works. That's awesome. But, uh... Hmm. It's it's a great balance, but it's a fight. Hmm. Um, Corian really wants a house. I want a house too. Um, she wants to make harder cuts than I do. Um, so we're like, I'm growing a lot, and like, hey Zach, you can't like always buy everyone dinner, and you can't always take four people out every week to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, you know what? You're right. Uh, there are some like practical things that are beneficial for me to implement, hmm. and I think she's learned a lot from me hmm. in like, yeah, I mean, Zach is like weirdly generous and it works out. The Lord really blesses hmm. him. Uh, it's like a cool balance. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big one. Well, so I think that's good. So, um, me and Connie, 
are like the exact same struggle, but like flipped. So it's usually the way you guys are. Yeah. Well, I, I'm the more like just like detailed, like practical, like planner. Mm. Um, with it's every, usually everything, the guy. but really with finances, greedy, and con- selfish. Yeah, but all those things. <laughs> well, that's my wife I, you're talking I'm, about. I'm lazy, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, all jokes, but um, yeah, Connie's very on the side of like dude like this is not our money like this is god's money so like let's yeah. g- let's give it away yeah and i so much like need and appreciate that like if i didn't have yeah. that i would be a stingy like little <laughs> person like i would yeah. hoard this money right so it's been r- actually for, for finances um one thing i want to say was i think like that's a super underrated like topic in marriage i think yeah. like i heard uh, money sex and kids kids are the three, three like, big biggest ones. issues and so we're only dealing with money and sex so far and it's actually been like really challenging like i i heard it and I, I didn't really think it was going to be a problem and it has been right and so i think for us like from, from my experience like it hasn't been it hasn't been something we can't overcome like it's been an issue but we, we're figuring it out and working through it um but i think that's important to like recognize like i think it's easy to hear something like that that's so like it's said so often that we just ignore it right yeah like i for sure ignored that i didn't think it was going to be a problem and it has yeah. been um, like I said, thankfully we've like worked through it quickly and are still yeah. working through it, but um, it's definitely like an issue, you know? Yeah. And something that I think people underestimate is like, okay, you get in an argument and you come to a conclusion and you both just change. And that, that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. Like there's like this right. weird um, gradient you have to go through of like, oh, I made, I was wrong on that again. I was wrong on that again. I, like, oh yeah, you're right. I should have done it that way. And it, it takes a while for you to just kind of, reroute your brain to do it right and uh, that's frustrating you know when you're like we agreed on this and you still did this um it just takes time yeah i feel like you get to a a spot where like we have at least where it's like you saying sorry like doesn't matter anymore like you we we know why'd you do it yeah oh i'm sorry and it it doesn't matter right and so that's where i like i fall right i I say i'm sorry i'm sorry connie's like dude you always say sorry it doesn't matter i need action right and so i don't know i think yeah Why'd you raise your hand? Oh, because, I mean, she, I mean, she's like an right. A, like, like an amen. Like, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> like, it really, there should be actions. We yeah. should be doing what we, we say. And, uh, hmm. you know, talk is cheap. Hmm. Uh, it helps. I, I like when people say sorry to me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I'm like a, a weird guy. Like, you could say sorry to me and I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. If it's the thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, you but chopped like, off my toe, but yeah, no, <laughs> I hear you. Um, I think I cut you off, but um, you were going to go on to the next point after finances. Um, the next thing for Corey and I, and it's it's really only these two, is how busy hmm. I am. Um, yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing less ministry than I was, but like mainly doing college ministry now. But I want to invest in people, you know, I want to pastor people. So I want to meet up with people and hang out with them and, and, uh, love them. And, um, and that takes a lot of time. Um, and like you guys said recently, um, weddings are very common and it's easy to go like four weekends in a row where you have either weddings or a birthday or some family thing. And it just yeah. all, you, you could, like time goes by fast when you're, when you're busy, I guess. Um, so that's something we talk about. Corian's number one love language is quality time. That's like my lowest one. Hmm. Um, 
Uh, and her lowest one is like my strongest one, which is like words of affirmation. So, dude, we're the exact same. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Me and Connie is the exact same, dude. Yeah, that's funny. So my my quali- quality times my maybe number one. I don't know. I feel like mine. Like I have like have you guys top talked three. about the love languages. You need to do an episode. We should yeah. actually. Yeah. That's so for those who don't know, love I'll write languages. That, write that down right. Yeah, now. we're gonna put that on the favorites page, and we'll we'll do an episode on that. But the love languages is uh, I think it starts from a book, but mm-hmm. it's the idea of. Um, how everyone expresses and wants to receive love. Yeah. And it's usually five. It's usually uh, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. And gifts. Um, normally men are sort of low on like gifts or acts of service or kind of more stereotypical things. Mm-hmm. And, and they're high on physical touch. Yeah, and like men are very high. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to kind of get at was like, I feel like I'm, like a 10 on like physical touch, quality time and like actual service or something. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to balance, but that's funny that you guys are both <coughs> words of affirmation. Oh, I, I understand oh, that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cause whenever I'm like, Jeremy, that was so awesome. He's like, I light Dude, up. It's like, it like <laughs> blows his mind. I'm like, that was a dead on. That was like the most like worthless thing I just told you. Like yeah. I, I could just say it's that true. in my sleep. Yeah. He's like, true. I don't even care. You're giving me a one star review. Like you said it was awesome. <laughs> it's true. Thank yeah. you. Dude, I feel love right now. Like it's <laughs> fake, and I'm like, "Oh, dude, he likes me." Like, <laughs> oh, that's great. that's awesome. Okay, so your love languages are mismatched. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but both of us are our lowest one or our second lowest one is like physical touch. So people always ask us like, "Why don't you guys sit together? Like, why aren't you guys all hmm. lovey dovey and touchy?" And we're like, oh, "I don't know. Like, she smells. Like, she's weird." <laughs> <laughs> we don't say that, but. Um, yeah, we're, so we're not super like physical touchy. I'm getting more like that. Like, I w- I work a I'm a gardener, and uh, after Jeremy knows how it is. Like when you're out in the yeah, sun and the like grind. 100 degree weather and you're using tools all day, like you get sore. So I'm mm-hmm. like, hey Queen, I need a back massage. <laughs> She's like, uh, sorry, I'm not physical touch. You're not either. Like make a <laughs> make an appointment. That's funny. I, I could like see her saying that for sure. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. That's a that's a big one for us too. I mean, I, for everyone, I we're we're pretty like blessed, and that Monique and I are both quality time is like pretty high up. So we're both pretty intentional about like we need to um, like go on date nights, and we need to uh, yeah. I don't know like sit together, and um, we're like we're pretty evenly you know matched. But at the same time, like it's never like perfectly the same. You know, mm-hmm. like the way that you yeah. love someone is never going to be the same way that you want to be loved and the way you express it is always going to be slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking about um, a while back about how, even though we both have quality time as like our top love language, it's different. It's different for both of us. So like mm-hmm. mine is like, I want to go on uh, or like, I just want to like be like around you and like talk and like hang out and thank um, you. I don't know. Just like, <laughs> and like just be together. Hers is like, Let's I just do stuff. I want to go on like an extravagant yeah. date yeah. and yeah. feel special unique experiences. Yeah. Unique experiences. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm like much less, I think like informal in it. And yeah. so I'm like, you so know, that was like a so great time together. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? Like that was, we're I'm at just staring at the yeah. chimpanzees. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we spent too long here. Um, so even then like it's, yeah. it's easy to be mismatched. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, and really like guys and girls are so different and um i mean we can we can go into that that's like a different <laughs> can of worms but <laughs> yeah so those are our two big ones 
um navigating that's tough it's it's tough like you guys have been married but it's tough having the same argument over and over every couple months yeah yeah um and i've i've gotten upset sometimes and she's gotten upset sometimes but um man i'm such a better man from two years ago Mm -hmm. i'm uh i've grown like that's probably the cool my favorite thing about marriage is it's so humbling having someone to scrutinize everything you do yeah i'm like why do you do that with the toilet seat like, I'm sorry, I take it <laughs> I off have, every I have time. Bad I go to the I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, honestly, that that's been like a <laughs> a major point of conversation. Yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah. I never knew I was so bad, but yeah. Now I know. Um. But it's it's like, oh, what was I saying about the toilet seat? Uh, Scrutinizing every little thing and having someone. Yeah. Sort of like that's um frustrating. Or if you just kind of give into it and be like, you know what? There's a better result at the end of this out of us uh, lovingly and maybe to some degree equally compromising and finding like a good answer to this. um, There's a lot of growth for the both of us. Yeah. And uh, that's super cool. Like I'm a better man. She's a better woman. And uh, we're one and and we're so much better off for it. So marriage has my stamp of approval. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I feel like, I mean, especially when you have um, like kind of repeating issues or like things that maybe you're more stubborn about or that they're more stubborn about. um, It really makes you think like, do I really want to change or like, am I just going to kind of give like some uh, like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And like, just kind of blow it off and dismiss it a little bit. Or am I going to like really take it to heart and be like, I'm an idiot for doing this for the 10th time in a row. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm still not listening. Yeah. And like, am I going to change? Yeah. And that's like a really hard thing. I feel like it's the same way with God. You know what I mean? He like yeah. over and over again is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? There's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. And yeah. like, there's so much grace in that relationship and we don't even really, you know, realize it yeah. sort of in our, and like our relationship with him. But at the same time, you do have to kind of, you can either become really numb to it and then that yeah. can be another point of contention Yeah. or you have to just sit down and like, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to listen and do this differently. Yeah. It's really hard. And like, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, something I, I always say to Corianne is, um, she'll say like, I know what you do when this situation comes up. So I made this decision for you. And I say, no, like, let me try to make the decision. Let, like, I know I'm wrong a lot. I know I make that mistake a lot, but let me try. Don't take that away from me. Don't give up. And, um, that's super helpful. Like us both having that disposition of like, okay, I know you are prone to this, but I'm going to let you, um, try to do better. Um, and that's going to reserve some grace for you when you make the wrong decision or say the wrong thing. And yeah. Emphasis on that. Like grace is so big in marriage. Yeah. Uh, totally. I feel like it th- I didn't even really realize what that meant before. Yeah. You know, and now it has such a like a rich meaning because again, I'm, I th- I think marriage like the uh the thing I always think back to and I, I want to attribute it to Dan dealing, it may not be, but how marriage forces you to not deal with the other person, but it de- forces you yeah. to deal with yourself. Mm-hmm. And over and over and over again, I'm like, man, if I wasn't married, like who would I be? You know what I mean? Like or like what are the things that I would be doing or thinking and like marriage makes you so humble and it makes you so like kind of 
like not think so great of yourself because you have someone scrutinizing like that's the way that it's maybe scrutinize isn't like the the best like way of describing probably not but um someone teaching you someone uh helping you uh kindly pointing out different (laughs) ways of thinking (laughs) there you go um but that's how god designed it to be and like that's again sort of a a symbol of our relationship with him and his relationship with us too yeah and the degree which you're willing to submit to that and humble yourself to it is like corollary to the degree you can grow from it yeah and same thing with god right the more we'll submit to his word the more we can grow the further we can go which is a sick rhyme you guys can i can i tell you a hot tip that's helped me in my marriage sure yeah. give me a hot oh tip. yeah dude i heard this on a podcast and it wasn't a christian one interesting it, but uh super helpful so this guy was saying like him and his wife when they get into an argument about like which way the toilet paper should go <laughs> just whatever right like me just silly things right like yeah the pants should be this way not this way which he is said, now. super real yeah it is yeah uh but he's like okay so we both say and you have to just be honest with yourself about this because if you and your wife are both manipulative and not honest then it's never gonna work but they say okay how much do you care about this um so they'll both say a number between one and ten and the guy's like i care about the toilet paper being this way like a two and the woman's like, uh, it's like a seven to me. And it's like, okay, fine. We'll do it your way because mm. I really don't care about it that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when it's not like quantified, it's easy to just be contentious and just yeah. argue about silly stuff. But yeah. And you're like, point. okay, like I don't actually care that like much. Like how much does it actually matter, you know? Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. So. That's so funny because I've heard that same advice from like a Dang business it. perspective um, about like whenever there's some sort of major decision or like, mm. you know, are we going to go after, I don't know, this market or that market? Like, are we going to do this product or that product? It's like whoever cares about the most wins. Mm. And so yeah, it's basically like you go around the room and kind of take temperature of like, if we went this way, like, what would you feel? And that person's like, I would be destroyed. Like this <laughs> is the worst. And then negative five. Yeah. Like I'm leaving, I'm quitting. Uh, I'm suing. This is horrible. And then the other person might be like, you know, really putting up a fight in the conversation, but then they're like, I'd be fine with the other way too. Yeah. Like, okay, well go the way, you know, uh, whoever cares most the wins. I think that's a great point, um, across the board, but also in marriage, I hadn't really thought about that way, especially for toilet paper, you know, and silly stuff like that. (laughs) There you go. That's my one hot tip for the night. Sweet. If you didn't listen to anything else, but this, it's worth Just put it. that at the beginning. Yeah. Hot tip for marriage, and then it's going to be about toilet paper. Okay, I got one more <laughs> hot tip for marriage. All right, two hot tips for marriage. Yeah. You guys buttered me up real good. <laughs> um, something else this guy was saying uh, was to hold hands with your wife when you're arguing. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for me, it's not hard because I'm physical touch. Yeah. But like, Connie yeah. is like not uh-huh. <laughs> so she's like get her. away from me yeah. exactly dude she's yeah. like punching in the face it, it, that like backfired on me so yeah. cool. whoever said that screw him that was bad advice <laughs> dude my wife uh when she gets home i get home before her and i'm a better cook no offense <laughs> so i make dinner and uh, she gets home and i just like want to hug her and kiss her and uh i just miss her you know and she's like get off me like i need to uh, do this and this and this and this. Like, you're doing this to bug me. I'm like, <laughs> no, I genuinely love you. I want to hold your hand. And so, yeah, I had a similar result. She resented it. But I've heard it works. So you haven't successfully done it? The numerical one we've done. Okay. Um, I'm still working on the hand holding. Okay. It's going to work. I'm really interested about how that would work. 
I really want to try it. I feel like it's just weird in the moment when you're actually arguing with your wife and you're like kind of reach for her hand. Like, yeah. do you say something first or do you just go for it? Do you want um, like a play by play? Yeah. I've, done, I've been there, bro. So you tried it? You've actually no. done it? Yeah. Sick. Let's act it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're arguing, right? Yeah. And Jeremy, you peed Jer- over the wait. toilet seat again. No, no, no. Babe. Jeremy, be Connie. I'm Connie. Yeah, no, this will be a lot better this okay. way. <laughs> okay, it's <this is> stupid. <laughs> Let's not do this. Um, it doesn't work <laughs> for me. It did not work, bro. Well, tell me why. Well, is this a hot tip or is it not? I mean, I'm okay. Not. I think it all depends on like the husband and wife. I mean, yeah. Honestly, like for me, for me, it would work because I, I feel like whenever I touch Connie when we're arguing, like I feel better. I feel like okay, like I'm connecting with her. I feel like I'm. Like yeah. communicating that I love her and whatever, but for her it's like the opposite. It like doesn't it like annoys her kind of like Corianne. So yeah, I think it all depends on like who Monique is. Like if she likes physical touch, then like boom, you're, you're golden. But if not, mm. like stay away. Like <laughs> doesn't help. <laughs> so I, I think <coughs> maybe like some of the value, because um, I've done it and I could see how it could disarm. Exactly. Or maybe it well, like makes her laugh a little bit, and it it just lowers the tension. And like that's a valuable thing, um, is to just not be at each other's throats so much and just drop it down a couple notches. And okay. you don't have to do that with holding hands. Well, again, I think it all depends on like the couple because like for me, yeah. it would not disarm Connie. Yeah. I think it's like it a would, trigger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it depends on each couple. All right, but that's my that's fair. That's my thought. So that's more of a not. I'm tip only, than I'm a only three tip. months in. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm well, so when I try this with con- with, I was gonna say Connie. Whoa, I was like, what whoa bro. We'll have to edit that part out. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do any editing. Um, when I try this with Monique, uh, do I like, do you say something? Do you just go for it? Like, do you do it in advance? Like, hey, next time we have an argument, do I? Well, I'm I feel like you don't have the best advice because <laughs> it up. didn't work for I'm you. Up. Dang. Okay, but okay. not because of like, who, not because of me, because of my wife. I know. That's what I'm saying is. Okay, so I, what I did. You have a biased opinion, though. I'm just saying, I just okay. went for it. <laughs> you just went for it. That's probably maybe why it didn't work. And that's my personality. Like with most things, I just go for it. Like, yeah. I have an idea. Boom, I'm doing it. Yeah. I feel like Zach. He, what's Corey? One hundred percent is more like tactful and like you think it out. So. I I just uh, we're arguing about something, and I'm like, hey, let me hold your hand. And she knows. I've talked to her about this, so she's like, no. And I just have this stupid <laughs> smirk, and she's like, "No, like, come on!" And I'm like, "No, we're doing it. We're we're standing here, and we're holding hands, and we're just gonna have some semblance of figuring this out." And it it really just disarms the both of us for one of us, like, because sometimes I'll be more mad, yeah, and she'll do something like that just to like lower the tension, and that's it's really helpful. Um, so, it, like I said, it could be. I, I think the valuable thing in it is like you pointed out is the the disarming, the lowering of the tension. Um, well, then she can't punch you, right, or slap you, or yeah. anything. She can't throw anything if you have her hands yeah. in your hands. Yeah, yeah. that also helps. And if that's a problem, uh, you need to. <laughs> you guys need counseling. Yeah. Um, no, th- I think that that is a good tip because I've heard, um, you know, Nathan, for example, Nathan Cornett, who we had on last oh, week. Did quote he unquote, give you those before. tips too? No, no, no. But okay. he's a real bum, by the way. But he he's talked about how. Uh, you know, you should pray when you're having an argument. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have not found the courage or I don't know, mm-hmm. like the, the urge to stop our argument. And also Monique and I don't have really like intense arguments. It's more like mm-hmm. a kind of sit down and it's like a very peaceful kind of confrontation usually. 
um, as you could maybe imagine with us, uh, maybe not for everyone, but, um, but he says like pray and yeah. I haven't been able to fight, but I feel like maybe holding hands is like a little bit more of a realistic thing to do. Uh, yeah. Anyways, like um, I said, it depends on the couple. I feel like we're kind of like beating around a bush of like what we're actually talking about, but I think it's like leading your wife and I feel like, um, Dang. I'm on- right. honestly, I'm having like a really hard time with that. Like I, I feel like. I don't know if it's pride or what it is, but I feel like I know, like, we'll be arguing or we'll have a conversation, like a disagreement, and I feel like I, I know, like, the answer. Like, I know, like, how to get us get us out of this, but I do not know how to, like, lead my wife out of it. And I don't know if that's pride. I don't know if, like, I'm actually right what that is, but it's, like, a huge problem, dude. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm curious, like, for you guys, like, what, um, I don't know, like, what do you do? Like, if, if you feel like you you know how to like how to navigate this but you just i don't know, you, you can't like lead well like, in that conversation like what what do you do like that's i i keep finding myself there right and yeah. I, I don't know how to handle that i think uh it's like in our like western culture we think like we're really instant gratification oriented so we're like the problem and here's the answer mm-hmm. and now we're in the solution and that's not how it works it's like that's how my mind works <laughs> yeah and that's how that's yeah. how all of us are really um but it's like these granular like you saying or acting with peace um in an argument isn't really like paying into that argument right now that's like paying into yeah. an argument in three years yeah. it's these like granular deposits um and that's how it's been for me. Like we had much more volatile arguments in the beginning of our marriage. And now they're, um, it's tempered out a lot. Um, like I said, we still argue about some of the same things, but, um, hmm. I know Corianne is for me. I know she loves Jesus. Uh, she knows I'm really for her that I love the Lord. We, we have similar goals and that's been very, very strongly established. And, uh, hmm. it's easy for us to kind of, it's just easier now that we've made those deposits over time. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I remember one time I got really mad and I was, I raised my voice pretty loud and I took some of those things out. Like uh, that did some damage to it. Um, so it, it just takes time, you know? Um, cause y- you can come into it. You could, you could have the person with the best marriage in the world tell you like, this is the advice you need to give to in that situation. And, maybe your wife just wouldn't receive that because yeah. um, you haven't built up to that, to her being able to receive that or something. And um, like that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big growing thing. Like it's mm-hmm. long-term, it's granular. It's, it's maybe like a cop-out answer, but that's what I've experienced. No, that's what I was thinking was, I think more and more about when we're talking, even if we're just talking, it doesn't even have to be in like an argument or like some sort of disappointment or, confrontation even if we're just talking i'm thinking about like what is this going to result in later on like i don't want to say anything now that's going to result in another argument later on and and i was actually i think i was listening to a podcast maybe and he was talking about a lot of um like everyone always talks about like the physical habits of people and what time do you wake up and what do you have for breakfast and do you meditate do you not meditate you know i don't know whatever kind of habits you want to like kind of do to try to be a superhuman. Um, but he said like, no one talks about the mental habits. And I feel like, especially with your wife and with like an argument, people just kind of go into like this habitual, uh, 
like either state of mind or even like the way that they argue, the points that they bring up. And like you said, over time, like you have to sort of change the uh, the whole state of the argument. Like if, if you're just like, okay, problem, solution, now it's worth to get in there. I'm like, like convince you, you know, it's like, you know, solve this for you and like fix this problem or get past this argument. Yeah. It's, it's like, it doesn't actually change anything long-term. What you want to work on is like, how can I like add value to you in this conversation? And that way, the next time that we talk about this, it's a little bit easier and it's a little bit more yeah. um, valuable and a little bit more edifying. Yeah. And that's a little bit less, you know, armed and kind of confrontational. It's a, it's, yeah. um, it's a little bit easier to talk about and it's more receptive. Yeah. Um, cause the reality is too, like no argument is ever like finished. You know, there's always going to be yeah. like these kind of clashing points in your marriage of like things that you can slip back into or things other people do. And you have to always remember like, well, the next time that this happens, you know, they might be thinking like the next time that he does this thing, I'm going to react in that way. Yeah. And you also have to think like, well, okay, the next time that I do this thing or that they do this thing, here's how I'm going to react. And here's, how it's gonna happen the next time after that too yeah and yeah that's like a a payment worth making even though it's like a long-term investment um yeah but yeah yeah this is um just one more point there's this one uh forget uh oh he's the he's the ceo of shopify which is like an e-commerce platform and he talks about sponsored by them no shout out working on it working on it maybe one day toby if you're out there his name was toby lukey uh, but he talks about this idea of the trust battery and how like every, you know, leader or relationship has like a level, like a battery of trust. Mm-hmm. And like over time you have to like charge the battery with trust Yeah. and you can also like draw from it. You know, yeah. when you ask someone to do something or you risk something or you ask them um, to act a certain way, you're kind of drawing from it. And so he said like, basically like you want to always be, like kind of refilling that trust battery. You want to keep it at, you know, sort of like the 90 to a hundred percent. Yeah. But if it's always at the bottom and you're asking someone to do something or to change the way they act or to hear you a certain way, and you don't have anything in your trust battery, then like the conversation's not going to go anywhere. And like, they're not yeah. going to be led no matter what you say, no matter yeah. how great your and ideas it's detrimental are. Detrimental even it's negative. Yeah, uh, and you can you can do that in your marriage with stuff, right? If you ask her the same thing over and over again, and and you're just constantly disappointing your spouse, um, it gets tedious and tiring, and you can really develop a bad attitude about that. So, like, I invest into facilitating an environment where both of us can try to have a good attitude about stuff and try to give one another the benefit of the doubt, and because. Um, like the trickiest thing is I want to do stuff to, uh, to make her better, to like encourage her to do better. And, but I can't make that decision for her. So all I can really do is like we're saying, like make these short or these long-term investments in, into that. Um, yeah, sorry for yeah beating this. No, that's good. I feel like we haven't really talked that in depth with someone about, you know, married specifically and well now now that you're married and and you can be included in the conversation too, like it's good to yeah to, to finally to have that. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Um maybe we can switch gears a little bit and talk about like your ministries yeah. and like the things that you're, you know, involved in and, and investing in and kind of like, you know, where it comes from too. Yeah. Um 
so right now I have a high school group of boys, uh, like 11 boys. Uh, I have my call, my home group of like 25 people co-ed and I have like this little guys group. Uh, we haven't been meeting as much, but just a guys group kind of like what you guys are trying to do here is figure out what it means to be a Christian man, to cultivate, to, to keep that, um, to do those things. Yeah. Um, I'm super glad you guys chose that name. <laughs> um, I'm glad that we like, like reserved it and that we like got it. You yeah. Know? Cause if you guys waited a year, I was going to take it. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, uh, I keep, this has been brought up to me a couple of times. People are like, Hey, your home group is, is getting big. Like some of the people are pretty old. Um, do you want to move up out of college ministry? And I really don't want to do that. Um, I, you hear that statistic all the time that, uh, this is that, that age between like 18 and 20, whatever is when most Christians fall away. Um, and I'm like, man, I want to be there. <laughs> like, I want to be fighting for those guys and with those guys and those hard questions that make people lose their faith or um, those situations that come up that make them realize they never had faith. Like, dude, I want to be right there talking to those guys, mm. figuring that out. Um, so that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I really feel like the Lord's called me to it. Um, and I guess in like men's ministry, uh, young men's ministry, um, I just, I want to see more like hardcore Christian men. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, but I want to see more men who, um, who kind of take the authority, the dominion that God has given us and they wield that instead of letting the dominion and the authority of the world just kind of happen to them. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're called to be these just kind of nice passive men. I think we, um, we can be like the disciples who are very just um, vigorous and bold and, and boisterous and had strong opinions. I, I think that's okay as a Christian man um, to really, <laughs> that's really funny. Does that happen every week? The, the dog's <laughs> biting the mic. <laughs> that was like a door. This is Max's first appearance yeah, his actually. his first time on the, He's C- doing right. the CNK podcast. Yeah. I'll give him a passing grade. He had to go pee just now, so I took him out. Nice. <laughs> I just went right here. um but yeah so that's the the ministry that i'm doing right now um uh, can i tell you guys like the most pressing thing in men's ministry yeah um i see so i i work with like some of these guys who are like 21 19 22 never 20 just kidding (laughs) like just that spectrum um and a lot of these guys don't have licenses a lot of them have never had a job um and like the biggest thing that seems to be needed is like these guys just have a dad a father come in and show them and love them on these simple stuff these really like time consuming things like teaching someone how to drive or teaching someone how to have a good work ethic um yeah and so and that's really difficult like i can't do that Well, I think it's funny because like that, <clears throat> it's like a different level of like ministry. Like, yeah. I don't feel like that's what we're targeting. Like, mm. um, yeah. but like hearing you talk about that, talk about like that being a need is like, it's good to hear. Like, cause I think you're right. Like, I think that ex- exists in like a lot of like areas, like yeah. like the basics of manhood. Like I think a lot of guys like just don't know it and like not, sh- not to their fault yeah. like, because of like having like a dad, like being absent, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> 
and I think it's it's gonna be more common that young men are crippled in that way um, through just video games, through uh, the culture kind of emasculating men. It's gonna be more acceptable to be less responsible by the time that you're 20, mm. um, which is just, it's so like, it's it breaks my heart talking to some of these guys because they're like, I'm so far behind from everyone else. And um, I just physically cannot will myself to do these things. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you need a you need a father, man. You need someone to really love you and, and kind of take you through the ropes as like a child kind of. But um, that's really intense ministry, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, ministry is sort of a, like a funny word. There's yeah. a, like there's all sorts of like really broad vague english words that like don't do any justice to like what you're actually describing yeah and ministry fits that yeah like ministry is like so many different contexts and meanings and like what this is is like um it's it is fathering in a way like spiritual spiritually fathering a lot of people yeah um or at least like kind of taking their role and doing the things that a father would have, like not necessarily like you are their father now yeah. or I'm not having the that you're acting. Me. Yeah. Like a father, but that you're sort of almost like holding their hand in some ways, or like at least like pushing them kind of nudging them right in the right direction and be like, yeah. this is, you know what you need to do or yeah. like, this is how it's supposed to be. And here, look, this is the way, and this is how God, uh, you know, wants your life to look like, and this is how, what he's calling you to. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, like you said, intense ministry, like it's really time consuming stuff. At least it yeah. sounds like, yeah. I mean, you know, what does it look like for you specifically? Yeah. Like what are the things that you've you know done or experienced? And, um, a lot of it is, uh, being available. Um, and that's been like, so me, I'm learning how to guard my schedule really well. Cause maybe sometimes I'm too available. Like someone's yeah. like, Hey, I'm. I'm struggling with thoughts of suicide and I'm like, Oh man, I got to drop everything and <laughs> help this guy. And like, I got to leave work right now. And, mm. um, so it's like this really interesting balance. Mm. Um, but just being available, being encouraging and then making time to just meet with these guys and take them out driving or, um, mm. wa- make a resume with them or, um, talk to them about whatever, or, um, something I, I really like doing is uh getting close to them and then like rubbing off against them and uh those like rough edges that they have these maybe deficiencies that they have in their character like putting my finger on those things and challenging them like hey why do you do this and them having to squirm it and really look at it and not being able to get out of it um, i like doing that maybe i shouldn't (laughs) dude that's good i feel like i want to be someone that like likes doing that but I can't like it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, dude. That's really you, hard. you get people who bite. Like <laughs> yeah, you get people who, mm. who try to hurt you back when you point out or poke something that yeah. hurts them. Mm. Here's my thing: is that I feel like when, when you're sort of in like a role model, uh, role. I don't yeah, know. I'm not a role how, model. How did? Okay, just, <laughs> just role. When you're, I mean, when you're trying to minister someone in that way of like really like in depth, like kind of, you know, like a friendship really. And like almost like fathering in some ways, I feel like it's really easy to want to be like, like the fun guy and like yeah. the popular, like let's go like 
to the beach and like take an Instagram picture and like post a verse about how this like we had a really cool life talk and like not push someone's button. Yeah. You know, we're like I, I struggle, you know, even with with my small group boys that I have now that are seniors, um, of like I wanna be like the cool one and like the fun one. Like yeah. I don't wanna like ruin this conversation right now with like so like this thing that you do or this thing that I've observed about you mm-hmm. or how are you doing with, you know, X or, or Y. Yeah. Um not wanting to do that, like wanting to kind of shy away from it. Like how how do you do it? You know, like w- do you have to be really intentional about or just like abandon that whole kind of persona altogether of like being kind of the fun uh I don't know. That's like a stereotype that I have yeah. in my mind. No, dude, that's like a mentor, you know? That's such a good question. And I have like wrestled with that in so many different ways. It's quick side note. I remember um I started like not dressing as nice for like junior high group, like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And uh the kids started like not respecting me as much. <laughs> and I started like not doing my hair and like just treating it kind of casually. And they respected the leaders who had the nice shoes and the nice clothes. And um, hmm. and I was like, that is so superficial and so stupid. But whatever, I'm just going to use that. Like, I'm, I'm going to use that to my advantage. I'm going to use um, having fun to my advantage um, when, when I can. But yeah, I, I mean, that's so in like all of my ministries, I'm like not the fun guy. <laughs> uh, I'm the guy who like when I call you aside, they're like, what did I do wrong? And I don't want to be that. And I really try not to like I've I've really been struggling with um, just trying to be really intentionally encouraging and edifying in, in everything that I say and do. Because sometimes some people I meet with, it's like, dude, I don't really have anything to encourage you in. Like you played video games for 50 hours yesterday. <laughs> like, um I'm not going to commend that at all. Hmm. Um, so you, you got to bring down a hammer really hard, but I think um, I'm a very empathetic person, like to a fault. I, uh, I'm like crying with people when they're going through stuff. Cause I just feel like what that guy feels when he lost his dad. Um, it's for whatever reason, it's easy for me to resonate with that. So when I see these guys stuck in this stuff and struggling with this stuff and this guy who um, has this sin that everyone else is kind of looking over, but it's holding him back as much as I just want to have fun, like my heart breaks for that guy and him not being able to get out of that. And I, I want to see him realize what the Lord has for him. Um, so I don't know if that helps, but that's like kind of my perspective on it. And yeah, that's, I, I haven't, um, yeah, it might be very different. Like, I don't know if you can just, I don't know how well you can just grow empathy or grow that. I think it's something you can practice into, but um, that's just how I am. Yeah, I feel like I've grown a lot in empathy, but I still struggle. It's more for me like a struggle of like, I, I don't want to have to have the conversation mm-hmm. and then like mm. ruin kind of like this, this fun thing that we've been doing or yeah. like this thing that I've kind of built up of like, Corey's like fun and like we can go I don't know it's like joke around with him and yeah. uh, like now he's like the serious guy and like yeah he's okay. kind of the bummer one okay I, uh just like delete what I said before like just scratch <laughs> all that because okay. I have a way better answer this one's quicker um last year uh two years ago now um at the beginning of the year 
I, I was praying. I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? Like, give me a, a theme for this year. I want it to be thematic. <laughs> and um, I felt more or less like he said, I want you to always have the hard conversation. Anytime um, that you don't want to say something to someone, I want you to do it. And I was like, okay. And uh, so that really helped with that. Mm. really pressing into that was two years ago i made that commitment yeah and uh dude i had some crappy conversations with people (laughs) like stuff that i'm like sweating bullets i'm like this person's gonna leave the church and they're gonna say it's because of me um i'm gonna this person's gonna kill themselves because of what we're gonna have to talk about and uh but i did it for the like the lord told me to and uh, it worked out Mm. so yeah so you just have to do it you just have to accept it and maybe, um, yeah. And like, y- y- I really like that podcast you guys did about New Year's resolutions. Um, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> but like, that's always a tough thing for me is like how to how to just do something. Um, when I felt like the Lord really wanted me to do it, I was like, cool. I got His like power. I have His leading in it. Yeah. Um, so that re- that like it's not super often that I can just like hunker down and do something like that. Yeah. So, hmm. no, that's good. Well, um, <coughs> want to wrap up soon, but a few more questions. Um, do you want to move, move on from this topic? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. What are some long-term, uh, goals that you have? Um, me and my wife, joke about having eight kids <laughs> i think realistically like if we could have eight kids cool probably cool, cool. Not, probably not realistic <laughs> no in, said that yeah sorry guys cool uh, probably not realistic in california but um I, like that's what we're kind of praying into we want to have a lot of kids um Korean really wants a house i don't really care I, like i think the lord's gonna give us a house i've had friends who've said hey, Zach, one day we're going to buy you a house. And uh, they're not doing very well, so it's not good odds. But I'm like, Lord, I think you could provide. But I've been investing into that, praying into that. Um, my wife wants a house. She wants to pray about it. So I'm going to I want to get her that. Cool. Um, so those are like super basic goals. Um, I, get, I think a big goal for me, um, I want to do men's ministry. Yeah. Like, And I think what I've felt the Lord leading me to is, Hey Zach, I want you to work hard. I want you to be a gardener. I want you to go work with rough and gruff guys for like 30 years. And then Hmm. I want you to do men's ministry for me. Hmm. So that's Hmm. like kind of what I'm doing. Um, like I'm 26. I don't know how well I do in in men's ministry, like telling these guys what to do, but, um, Hmm. I like that. I'm, I'm having a lot of success working with guys who are uh, my dad's age. Hmm. Um, and it's tough, and I'm learning so much, but um, it's so great. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to, like, make you come alive. Like, when you talk about, um, like, that area of ministry, you seem just, like, excited and amped up. So, I am. Cool. I'm pumped, man. Yeah, that's such a unique, um, I don't know. I'm just super curious how you sort of, like, came to that place of, like, yeah. this is what I want to do and what I want my life to look like. And, um like sort of envisioning like here's what I'm going to do for the next yeah you know long amount couple of years decades. you just said yeah, like 30 decades. years it's like a long time yeah you yeah. said it so I'm just like yeah with these like oh yeah oh, 30 yeah. years oh like. I've dude um Al Green that story about um when he was 60 God telling him 
he wanted Al to start doing Cuba ministry. And uh, Al said, he felt like the Lord said, and the first 60 years of your life were preparing you for this. I was like, dang. That's a long time. I couldn't imagine that. That's insane. Like, but the Lord works like that, you know? Like, he works in, in very long time frames, not our Western instant gratification time frames. And yeah. So, I mean, I said that really casually, but that's something that it's been um, hard to accept. When I first got saved, I wanted to start my own church. Um, I wanted to be my own pastor. Um, one day at a pastor retreat, God told me, uh, l- like I said before, this very, very strong impression um, hey, I want you to give that up and I want you to do whatever Neil Hoffman says. Um, and that was the most freeing thing ever was like mm. abiding by the Lord's plans and knowing that what he says uh, I'm going to be blessed in. Um, so I've, yeah, I've fed into that and um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, I'd like to, I'm, I'm super curious about something that you said and that I'm guessing is coming from one of your previous conversations with Jeremy. But the verse in Jeremiah about following the paths of those who've gone before us. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? I sort wrote of it down, bro. Go into that. Dude, that is such a great verse. Um, I got that from the Digging Deeper podcast by Morgan Schneider, which they are direct competition to you guys, I believe. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever listened to him. It's on my list, bro. I haven't actually. I don't know if I've even heard of it. He's really good. Morgan, you That's have a cool. kind of girly voice, but uh, <laughs> you're super manly. Um, oh man, I hope like I kind of hope you guys aren't famous so he doesn't hear that and like want to fight me. Now I want to have him on the podcast. <laughs> no, he's just like a little. Offended. So our friend Zach said, <laughs> um, yeah, but he was talking about um, like building off of what the pastors and the people and the fathers um, have built before, as opposed to being this young, uh, passionate man who forges their own path. And he was talking about that verse saying, and like, we should ask for those ancient paths, those paths that have been established, um, as opposed to just trying to be our own man and, and cut through our own. Hmm. Um, and that's something I, I take so seriously. Like I have a lot of big dreams and big ambitions, but, um, I want to lend my strength and my talent to my pastors, to the stuff that they're doing. Uh, cause I know the Lord has anointed them in that. Um, so I'm doing that, and I have faith that one day I'm going to have a slew of young men, um, if I'm doing it right, to continue on the paths that I've made. Uh, so that's kind of the premise of that. Hmm. A super, I mean, I feel really like dumb like thinking about it, but I feel like the older I get, the more I'm just like so baffled about, like, why am I here now? And, like, <laughs> here specifically, you know what I mean? Like, with these people and, like, with this, uh, I was talking to someone the other day that I had breakfast with and we were talking about how I just sort of randomly came to Foothills high school on a whim for shadow day. Uh, I had never heard of the school before. Like my cousin invited me and like, I didn't really like know where I was going to go to high school. And then I I ended up shadowing Garrett, uh, Campbell. And I was like, this guy is the coolest ever. Garrett and is the king, yeah. And this, he was. This, yeah, he was the king of Foothills at that time. And uh, shout out to Garrett. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go to this high school. And it was like such like a whimsical decision. Yeah. But it's just like completely changed, changed like the direction yeah. of my life. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, where, like, where is God taking me? Like, hmm. this is so 
it, it's just weird. Like we live in the year, you know, 2019, like not 1989 or not 1999, 1979. Like we're here. I don't know. You know, like, yeah, it just seems that's such a weird thought. Like, uh, and that's why it's intriguing to me. Like, yeah. you know, kind of continuing the path of sort of the people who have gone before us. Yeah. It's like, why, why are we trying to always like reinvent things? And yeah. like, where, do, what is God trying to accomplish? And like, how can I just like, like lean into that and mm-hmm. keep pushing that along and like, you know, like get in on the action, you know what I mean? Like start contributing instead yeah. of like trying to do my own thing, which I feel like everyone's always so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, like I think you read father hunger. One of you guys did uh, some of it. Father heart of God. I think it was. Oh, so you read a different one. So John Eldridge does a book, yeah, Father yeah. Hunger. Okay. And in the beginning, he talks about um, his dad died at some point, and um, he made this vow to never have to need help from someone. Hmm. Uh, so his sprinklers broke one day, and he had to fix it, but um, he c- just couldn't do it on his own. He was Googling it, and he just couldn't do it. And he remembered feeling like, I just need a father to show me how to do this. Hmm. Um but he's saying that's a vow so many young men take is they get hurt at some point or um, defeated or they weren't very cool in high school or whatever. So they make this vow. Um, I'm never going to need help. I'm going to be my own man. Yeah. And um, that's such an easy thing for a young man to say, but it's so dangerous. Yeah. Um, I personally think it's better to put our energy towards the wisdom of someone who's done it for 50 years. Yeah. And uh, let them kind of foster that. Yeah. Well, like, why would God, you know, invest so much into someone, like, say, like, a Mark Hoffman? Yeah. You know? Oh, and, yeah. And then... For someone else to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, you start this great church, you lead the church for 30 or 40 years, and then, like, okay, now it's just the next church with a new person from scratch, like, yeah. and just abandon everything before. Like, there's... I feel like there's just so many... That's, like, a very tangible kind of example. Yeah. But there's so many Seriously, things... Yeah. Uh, in families, in, you know, city governments, in, uh, I don't know, policies and regions yeah. of like, what is like, what's God doing here? And like, what's going on? And how can I just like help it instead yeah. of like trying to do it myself? You know, like, why are we like competing with God's own will in our own way Yeah, when we can just join someone else's or join yeah. what's already been going on? Dude, preach it, man. <laughs> That's such an important thing for young men to realize, I think. Um is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you can use someone else's wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's important. Um, you brought up something else too that I've also been thinking about. And it's funny because we did an episode on, uh, how and when to rest. Oh, I just listened to that one today. Okay. Today. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. So this, this will You're be a good behind, for you. <laughs> um, I know, I know. so I was hanging out with my, one of my friends and he's like, Hey, I just listened to like the one on resting. And like, I really liked it. Who and I was that? like, uh, Drake, shout out to Drake, and uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I need to listen to that one again, I think, mm-hmm. because I'm doing a really terrible job. Yeah. Even after we recorded it, I'm like, I feel you. wait, what do we talk about? Like, I'm gonna go yeah. look back in our notes and like all the advice that we gave. But you talked about sort of um, like biblical rest and like taking I don't know sabbatical, like the importance of it. Where where's that coming from? Like, what what were your thoughts behind it? Yeah. Uh, do you guys? I was like, I was listening to that today, and I was like. Oh man, I want to talk about that. <laughs> so I'm I'm really grateful you brought this up. Um, so Jeremy and I talked about that, and uh, I also got this out of a uh, John Eldridge's personal podcast. Uh, he talked about how um, 
in like he's in this really busy ministry oriented life uh which is like just every day meeting with people and then working on sunday like not really having a, a hardcore sabbath uh to rest and how that's really draining um so he was really trying to figure that out but the big thing for him was his sabbatical his like time away and he had come to the conclusion that he needed two weeks of vacation um, and that his first week was largely just decompressing, that he wasn't even resting until he was through that first week yeah. in that beach house in Hawaii. He wasn't through his like caffeine addictions. He wasn't, um, he still had this habit of like picking up his phone every couple minutes. It took like a week to break that. Um, and that second week he could really enter into that rest. Um, and that's something I've just kind of taken up. I, I tried to take two weeks. Uh, something else he talked about was mm. asking the Lord what he has for him to rest. Um, so sometimes it was going to Hawaii. Sometimes it was out in the mountains. Sometimes it was this or that or that. And uh, so that's something I've been really intentionally praying into is, Lord, um, how how are you going to give me rest? I, I need your rest um, when I have these bigger vacations, these sabbaticals. Yeah. Um, and this last one, uh, I went to, I felt like the Lord wanted us to go to Peru and, uh, I felt like he wanted to, um, like break me of like my constant comfort. So I went to this place where it's like 80% humidity and there's mosquitoes biting you all the time and you're hiking all day. And, um, man, I found rest there. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so restful for my soul. Um, so that's something I just encourage people in is like, take the Lord into account in your rest. Um, don't go on autopilot. Like ask him, uh, maybe like going to the zoo, like you guys talked about, maybe it's making sure you get enough sleep. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Don't leave the Lord out of that stuff. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I, I found myself in like starting up a, a couple like projects and just being like in a, in a busier season. And then there was like a couple days and it was like maybe like two weeks ago where I was like, like trying to work and it's like 11 o'clock in the morning and my eyes are like literally watering. Like I can't think and I'm like distracted and I'm like picking up my phone, going on Twitter. I'm like, what am I doing? Wait, like this is all like feels and seems wrong. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I really haven't done a good job of like resting. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Like, <coughs> yeah, I spent my weekends, um, you know, working on other stuff and I haven't like been sleeping very well. And I'm also not like, even even though I'm like tired and like I wake up later and I don't do my devotions, which is like it's just like this yeah. kind of downward spiral. And um and I've I've sort of like been trying to retrain my mind to think about rest as like a part of my day and like a productive time too. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not just like doing nothing and not being productive. Like resting is productive and it is a good use of my time. Yeah. Um, but I think totally. also like the idea of sabbaticals is really interesting because, um, or, or like vacations, I don't know, like whatever you kind of like an extended period. Thing. You can use it as the same. Yeah. Yeah. There was someone I was listening to who, uh, they do like a vacation or like a, a sabbatical every three months. Um, because they felt like nice. every three months, <laughs> it was just like kind of, like a, a ni- like a like a nice to have, yeah. right? Every three months, go on like a week or two. Yeah. Um, but he would spend the first week completely alone, and then the second week, like his family and his wife would join him. Yeah. Because he felt like if 
if they were with him in the first week, like he still wouldn't be like there with them and he wouldn't be able to, to kind of rest either. And so, and then after that, like he's back into kind of the group of things, like really productive, really like, yeah, really like on fire for stuff and really like into it. Um, and maybe there's like an American kind of manly like thing of like, I haven't taken a vacation in two years and, yeah. I can't remember the last time I got a full night's sleep and it's sort of like this badge of honor, like a chip on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's kind of silly, you know, like totally. Um, it, it's just like not taking into account your actual, I don't know. It's just, like I said, like this autopilot mode, like in this autopilot, Western capitalistic thing, which, um, I like Western capitalism, but <laughs> it, it can be draining and, yeah. and defeating. Um, yeah, I, solitude is so important. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for that podcast to come out about solitude. <laughs> solitude. It, uh, well, we got to find it first, but I think before we talk about it, because yeah, but so like that guy said, uh, taking that week by himself uh, for a lot of people, having solitude like that is terrifying. Being alone with yeah. yourself, you come to, um, like I know, I know someone who struggles with this, but when they're alone, their first thoughts go to like, why doesn't anyone want to be with me? Hmm. Mm. and um that's a horrible place for your yeah. your first thoughts when you're by yourself to be that's mm. so scary um but you should be able to be alone with the lord and i think yeah. he has great things for you and rest yeah yeah um yeah i, I want to say i think um i think a lot of people like view like um instagram and facebook and twitter and like tv as like their rest and i think um mm. like dude if that's you like you shouldn't really think about that. I feel like it's mm. not rest. Like I, I f- for me, like, I don't know. I, everyone's different. But for me, like when I look at Instagram or Facebook, like it, it like fires me up and I get yeah. like, I, it stirs me. Right. I, yeah. I see stuff that like bothers me or gets me excited or inspired, like whatever it is, but it doesn't give me rest. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know. I feel like I want to put that out there. Like if that that's you like think about that. Cause I think like, yeah it's not like real rest. I feel like it's masking like what rest can and like should be, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like a makeshift social interaction, like a makeshift conversation with people that you're acquaintances with, which I don't know how many people you talk to that you barely know (laughs) that it's restful. Um, it's never like that for me. I'm always on my toes a little bit. Uh, I don't know their true intentions. So I'm always on edge with what they say. I'm on edge about what I say. And it's just like a weird version of that. So it, it totally makes sense that it's not restful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like mentally engaging yeah. so much in a every lot, post. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just like the, the scientific part of it is like every notification, like scrolling through yeah. something, it's just like dopamine. And like yeah. it's that it was is a great physically episode, <laughs> social media one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's physically exhausting mm-hmm. and like emotionally exhausting and that you can only go through so much. And I have to force myself away from it a lot because I'm like, I just want to chill out and scroll through because it seems like a very relaxing Easy. thing. But then when you're doing it, you feel mm-hmm. like glued to it and like you can't get away from it. Yeah, it's and like, addictive. And, you, and you, you know that you want to get away from it to rest, but that yeah. you just can't put the phone down yeah. and you don't want to sit there and just, I don't know read or like think or just like <laughs> or do be, nothing yeah or be bored like, yeah be bored um that's a foreign thing nowadays yeah I, i've been i've been trying to do that more like on my lunch 
you know, cause I, I work, f- I work from home. Monique and I both work from home. Mm-hmm. And so like my lunch isn't like a traditional kind of lunch of like, let's stop working and like go somewhere or like, I don't yeah. know, pull up my lunchbox. It's like, go to the kitchen, grab something. And I'm like, I don't know, sit down and watch TV or, and then what I've been doing is not even like listening to podcasts. Cause I'll just like, I can listen to podcasts mm-hmm. all day long, but I'll just go on my balcony and kind of like overlooks North park. And I just like eat and just like sit, just, just sit. Yeah. yeah just yeah. like chew my food. And like, it's not terribly boring. Cause I'm still like <laughs> chewing something and like eating something, but like, you don't have to listen to anything. You don't have mm. to talk to anyone. That's good. You don't have to like scroll through anything. Yeah. Even if it's for like 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to like sit here. And I'm just yeah. going to look around at the houses. And Dude, I feel like starting, like starting your, your, um, like your day off like that is so powerful. Like it's so good. Like, yeah. Just yeah. like sit, like sit. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. Like no music, no podcast. Like just sit. Yeah. Like let your mind warm up. Like yeah. we, we like to go warm straight up. for the white noise. Like, I can't tell you how often I just listen to podcasts, never yours, <laughs> just as white noise, you know, <laughs> yeah, never ours, yeah. just as like um, something that is just engaging enough to where I don't have to like think on my own, but I'm not actually even really chewing on this stuff. I'm just like so minimally like engaged and um, it's like, that's never going to be restful. That's, that's yeah. never going to be rejuvenating. Um, there's a difference between that and having this like, person talk about this epiphany um that you just realized but an epiphany i wouldn't say is restful <laughs> it's like very cognitively um engaging and yeah um so it's I, I listened to a writer talk about what you were just talking about how he'd go to starbucks and everyone is on their phones they're waiting for the drink and everyone's on their phones and so he just stopped doing it and he just watch everyone and he he's a writer so he loves writing about people and he just writes stories about the guy who has the like funny tick or the guy who is wearing like the mismatched socks and how he got there that morning and like there's so much to observe if um if you'll just be willing to and and not take the kind of like weird artificial bait of like social media and um that stuff yeah, yeah definitely well good stuff to chew on um I did Jeremy you can check out for this part of it but I did want to ask okay, you before <laughs> before we get to the checkout part. I have two more questions. Okay, okay, go okay. ahead. I'll and then, we'll, you have then it. we'll close. I think Corey's got a question too. Corey's the uh, closing question. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's um, gonna be the one. Okay, Corey uh, wrote down these these questions, and I think they're really good. So he okay. said, um, "How have you changed or grown personally?" Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah, I think it's fire, dude. So good. <laughs> so like recently, like what has happened that has caused you to change, like or or grow? Like what what is it? Dude. <sighs> okay. So, um, like I was telling you guys before, this has been a super rough season for me. Um, I had my great grandma die who I wasn't very close to, but just like for whatever reason, like my family dying is really taxing and the people who were close to her, uh, it, it hurt me, you know, like them being hurt. I love my great grandma. I, d- I didn't talk to her very much, but so that, um, I've got just people going through hard stuff and one of my really good friends took his life um and man that messed me up um that messed me up in ministry um a christian a pastor like with me like taking his life um anytime someone says i'm thinking about suicide or anytime one of my friends is like i need you there zach i'm like they're gonna kill themselves like i had no idea this guy was gonna do it no one did 
Um, so that's been like eating me up. And at this last, um, college retreat we had a couple weeks ago, I had someone pray for me about that. Um, and I felt it like break off of me and I felt the Lord, um, like I've said this like so much, like the Lord, I get these like feelings all the time. I don't get them very often. So I'm like distilling, um, powerful moments in my life. But I felt like him say like, Zach, I, I want to use you to make sure that doesn't happen to other people. Um, and I was like, okay, thank you. Um, and then, uh, he told me, I made you to stop trains. And I was like, oh, I don't entirely understand that, but okay. <laughs> and I started praying into that and I felt like he, um, was just saying these guys, these young guys, um, who are just this runaway train that no one else is caring to look at or stop that people think is just a waste of time. They're just going to let it do its damage. Um, I made you to stop stuff like that. Um, so that's a big thing I've been like thinking about and, and letting go of the responsibility of like needing to save everyone around me. Like I I need to give that to God. I need to trust him with that. Um, that's really difficult for me. That's like a big struggle of mine. Um, and then figuring out what actually, um, stopping people like that looks like. Um, so I've been writing a lot. Um, people that I, I have, I see as these trains I've been writing like kind of letters to really detailed, really intricate, really like harsh at times letters, um, and praying over them and praying into them that it would be helpful for these people and giving them to them and, um, talking about them and helping them through stuff. So that's like how I've been growing. It's been very interesting. Um, hmm. yeah. Do you, so you actually give them these letters? Like, like send them like an email. Oh, okay. 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 I mean, it'd be, if I had nice handwriting, <laughs> I could be a doctor with my handwriting. <laughs> They're like, do you have a, like a cipher for this or like some sort of like code? <laughs> In Egyptian hieroglyphics. <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh. It's, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, weird thing. Like I think of that show. Um, and I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be this person like casting a bunch of stones. Like I really pray like, Lord, I want to stop these trains. Um, these issues that people have that other people don't want to talk to them about. Like, okay, I'll do it. Hmm. So, wow. Is it ever hard? Like, I don't know, pushing send like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, man. Like, um, like I said, like I'm 26. Like I don't, I don't actually know that much. I, uh, so it's, I try to be as humble as I can. And, um, and I invest into fostering relationships where I can do this. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. And I, I'm always like, I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I should word it differently. Um, but yeah, that's what's been going on. What's the reception like, you know, like, dude, it's good. Like I get so psyched out. Like, these people aren't going to want to be my friend anymore. They're going to think this or this, but it's like, the Lord is so good. Um, it has to be him. Like I always think to myself, um, I can't convince like a blind person what the color green looks like. Like the Lord has to intervene. The Lord has to bring revelation. And like, if this person really struggles with this and cannot see this, like I can have the most beautiful poem or whatever and they will not see it i need him in it hmm. and uh he's really blessed that um so it's it's been good and but it's, it's there's still like such a trepidation in doing it yeah um 
Yeah, that that just seems like such a foreign idea to me, which I'm like fascinated by. It's weird, like, man. I know. Experiencing it all, but I mean, that's so cool. Like, just all the ways that the Lord's using you, and especially like having these really kind of intimate, yeah, relationships with someone. Oh and yeah. Conversations that like the, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the population probably does not have, or does not even really like think or possible to have. Yeah. Um, and then trying to do that regularly, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's tough, man. Cause I'm a people pleaser. Like I want, like I said, I wanted to be the class clown. I wanted everyone to laugh and have fun. And, um, so doing things that aren't that is, is like against my grain. So hmm. it's funny how God always calls you to do stuff. That's like outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. He always does that. <laughs> I'm like, why can't you give me the stuff I'm good at? Yeah, like why can't I just like go play soccer with people? Yeah, or, like and he's like, I made you to be good at this, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. That's funny, but it works, right? And yeah, um, I think it's funny too. Like maybe we don't give ourselves enough credit of like what God made us to do, and we think it's like a very like unnatural thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like you said, that's that was God's intention from the beginning. We just haven't exercised that. And we just were sort of fighting it. Like maybe that's just like a natural response yeah. that God wants us to move past. And this is what God made us for. And like, yes, yeah. this, this is a natural talent. We just need to trust him and invest in him. And yeah. Yeah. And it won't be so foreign uh, you know, yeah, after a while. Foster that in him and, and let him, let him foster it. And uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. Yeah. That's cool. I'm proud of you. Me? Yeah. Oh, thanks. You guys, I'm sorry if I'm long-winded and I'm like taking too much time, but no, I'm having so much fun. Th- like long-winded is the podcast. Like I'm the most long-winded person. Hey, do you listen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just thrown on and on and on. <laughs> okay. I have one more question. And yeah. Then Corey can close it. Okay. Um, okay. And then I have six questions for each of you. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Um, what is something you have changed your mind about in the recent months? And again, Corey Haynes. Dang, with the question, dude. I have like a. I think it's a answer. good question. Like, yeah, I think for me, like, there's a lot of stuff that I like set my mind on. Like, I'm doing this no matter what, and then like a week goes by, and <laughs> <laughs> I change my mind. So, anyway. Oh, curious. dude, I'm so like that. My wife always makes fun of me. She's like, "What's your new two week thing?" That's thanks. <laughs> and she'll say stuff like that like okay you want that like let's wait two weeks and see if you still want it I'm like, oh, man, that's well played <laughs> um something i changed my mind about um i'll give you my overarching thing lately that i've been changing my mind about um when i was younger when i kind of first got saved and started meeting with a mentor um the first thing he asked me super, super helpful for me was, um, okay, if we took all, if we took time and money away, if those things were solved, what would you do with your life? And I'd always said, I would just want to travel. And, but I was like, no, I think there's something more to it. And I felt like the Lord showed me that what I would do is teach. Like if I would, I love teaching people. Um, and I feel like he is, um, lately, I conventionally thought it was going to be in a classroom and he's changing my mind in that, um, that I think he wants me to write more, um, to teach that way. Um, 
I, uh, I got to write, I got to speak at common ground recently and I wrote this allegory, um, about wheat and chaff. And, uh, I love that. Like it was so satisfying. And so, um, I got a lot of good feedback from it. It was really helpful for people. So maybe just, um, I'm changing my mind about what I thought my interpretation was of what the Lord told me, uh, like seven years ago Mm. and, um, kind of readapting it. Um, which people had told me before, they're like, hey, I think maybe that meant this because you're good at this. And I was like, no, it's this. Um, but it took time for me to realize that, Yeah, I think. Okay, so what is the wheat and the chaff? Now you have me intrigued. Oh, dude, it was so good. Um, <laughs> I'm not toot my own horn. Like, uh, So in worship, I was just standing there, and I got this idea like um, – about wheat and chaff being these twin brothers, um, having come from the same place, but being two different things based on what they believed about themselves. Um, wheat um, believed in the potential of who he was, believed in the hope of who he was, and chaff uh, believed in the flakiness and the failures um, and the shortcomings of who he was. And both of them couldn't separate themselves from that idea of themselves. And uh, ultimately, that kills Chaff uh, because he can't separate himself from his failures. Um, so that's what the allegory was about, these two brothers mm. and developing that. Um, they had this younger brother, Husky, the like unhusked colonel, <laughs> who didn't know who he was going to be. He didn't know if he was going to be more like wheat or Chaff, but he could see himself being like either of them. Um, so yeah. Have you guys read Pilgrim's Progress? No. You should, you Why does that sound familiar? It's a... Uh, Mike Van Meter. It's on my it's on my list. Really, you should yeah. read that. It's that's a long allegory. That's like what um, what was my inspiration, other than what I felt like the Lord telling me to do. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, Pilgrim's Progress. It's a book, I'm guessing, or mm-hmm. it's a by John Bunyan. He wrote it in prison in like the John 1700s Bunyan. or something. Yeah, not the what. Yeah, but uh, it's all about Christian, the main character. And him going and meeting, um, like the first person he meets is Evangelist. And Evangelist tells him about the kingdom. And Christian has to go up and he gets saved and released of his burden. And uh, then he goes and just goes to Vanity Fair and meets um, worldly wise man. And like really heavy-handed allegorical characters, which is just super fun. Um, It's kind of hard to read because it was written a long time ago. But Hmm. um, a Douglas Wilson is perpetually reading that book. Interesting. Um, so you know it's he, good. Yeah, as soon as he finishes it, he starts it again. And he, I think he said he reads it um, before he preaches every week. So Interesting. That's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah, that's what made me read it. I was like, dude, this guy's reading it like eternally, like the Bible? Okay. Well, when you have Douglas on here, we're going to ask him why and how <laughs> what that's like. Yeah. So, Douglas, if you're listening, oh, prepare man. yourself. That guy uses so many big words. Yeah. That's and so yeah, so obviously Mike, you know, turned me on to Douglas and yeah. I haven't really dug in yet, but um, you haven't dug Douglas. No, you haven't dug into him. No, <laughs> still surface level for Doug. Thanks. Um, so I'm super curious on, and we we weren't like planning on sort of talking about this, but I'm curious on your thoughts and standings, perspectives on. Uh, I don't I don't even know how to frame it. So yeah, Jeremy's going to check out because he doesn't care about this stuff, but maybe he'll learn a thing or two. Um, so we're, we're both, uh, I don't know, 
into animals. That's like a weird like mm-hmm. way of like putting it, and like I don't know how to like describe it. Yeah, no, uh, I, but like the earth, the environment. I don't know. Um, so here's my thing. I don't like to talk about it because I feel like it's sort of like weird and like unspoken and like everyone's yeah, taboo sort of, for conservative Christians to talk about a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But, um, I think that if you took sort of a, a small portion set of my like beliefs and political views and you just like isolated them and said like, you know, where does this person stand? They would be like, you know, basically like a, I don't know. A socialist. A, yeah. A socialist, liberal, <laughs> you know, tree hugging, yeah, a really progressive kind of tree hugger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's not a, at all like how I see it and how I view it and who I am. I, I tend to be more conservative in political standings. And, um, you know, I think that aligns best with the biblical view. Uh, but I also have a lot of trouble yeah. with like a really kind of, um, like ignorance almost yeah with some of these other views especially just on more environmentalism like right environmentalism yeah yeah okay so like where do you stand what are your thoughts because oh. we haven't really even talked about it yet okay this should be like a whole <laughs> separate hour i'll try to keep it condensed okay. um like you and i were talking about um i think the bible calls us to uh tend the world tend the environment. I think we've been given dominion over the plants and the creatures and, and the resources of this planet. Um, so when those things are just exploited or heavily abused for like personal gain, um, I think that's biblically incorrect. Um, so a couple years ago when that gorilla Harambe was shot, um, because a child fell into the zoo. Um, I think it's wrong that people said, the baby should have died, you know? Right. I think man was made, um, as like the pinnacle more or less of God's creation, um, we're made in his image. So we're number one and, um, like we should be fed, like instead of feeding these starving dogs in Africa, we should be feeding starving children in Africa. Yeah. I, I believe in that. I'm all for that. Yeah. But at the same time, so many conservative Christians, like, um, like global warming is like a huge issue right now. And so many Christians write it off as like, that's just made up like mumbo jumbo. And you see stuff like um, coral bleaching where these corals are reaching temperatures that they've never reached and killing themselves or um, dying in these like spectacular ways will turn these neon colors and then um, just completely bleach white. Like that hasn't happened before. So the people who say like, yeah, the earth has always done this. Uh, well, within our lifetime, we have not seen this. Um, this is something different. And um, we're l- like later this year, I'm going to Sumatra on vacation and uh, mm-hmm. they're down a large double digit percentage of their original rainforest. And it's being replaced with uh, palm farms, Yeah, which think of like a grape vineyard. These um, palm trees are planted in these rows like this. Um, and I, I was watching something and they're saying like, yeah, within a generation or two, orangutans could potentially be extinct based on uh, the current trends. And for people to tell me like, yeah, they're making it up. Like that's BS, like whatever. I'm like, can we look into this a little bit? Like they're saying like tigers, polar bears, orangutans are going to be gone. Like, can you just give this a little more 
um, notice than just saying like, yeah, they're lying. Because if if yeah. orangutans go extinct, like, um, I'm gonna feel bad as a parent when I'm handing this world over to my children. You know, mm. um, like that that yeah. So that's like the condensed version of what I think. It's okay, so where this all started for me a little bit was. You know the saying, there's always a little bit of truth in every lie. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's always... The l- most effective lies, yeah. Yeah, at least yeah, at least the good ones. Um, I feel like it's the same with every, uh, not political view, but like with, with everything that's sort of said and circulated. Yeah. Even the most extreme, you know, whack things like the earth is going to be gone and destroyed in 10 years. It's like, okay. well like there might be a little bit of truth in there. Like there's, there's something like you can't just yeah. discredit everything. Yeah. I, I feel like my perspective with a lot of the, um, a lot of the issues around the, uh, like the environment quote unquote and animals specifically is sort of like a throwing away the baby with the bathwater yeah. situation. Totally. Of it's the, the wrong people from our pr- perspective or maybe from like a stereotypical Christian conservative perspective. It's the wrong people doing the wrong thing. And so therefore nothing must be true. Yeah. It's when even with the most egregious lies, there's probably still something a little bit scary about it and something a little bit true that like I said, should be looked into and should be investigated even a little bit. I, I really, um, uh, I really hate like the, the pure ignorance Mm -hmm. of either view yeah. When it's just like, no, that's wrong. Yep. Or like, uh, dude, no, I'm that right there with there's you. nothing like there's nothing to that. Or like when, when people just find an excuse, uh, like you said, I think that there's, um, you know, one of the more interesting things to me isn't even around, uh, like animals and sort of environment, but it's around like energy and resources mm, yeah. because for a long time we've all been gung ho and like oil and, uh, I don't know, like petrol and like there's always more and i'm like well why are we so stuck on this like what if there's like an amazingly better way of harvesting the earth's resources and like making energy for ourselves why are we stuck doing things like the really crappy way you know what i mean like i really don't like seeing you know gas and fumes in the air and i really hate that it just seems so like clunky and archaic go to mexico city man and it's go to la even you know what i mean and yeah. I'm really glad that, you know, like Elon Musk <laughs> and Tesla, it sounds kind of dumb, but I'm like, you know, go like get them. Like I want electric everything because yeah. it just seems so much better. Well, and, that, and that's how it should be, man. Like I, I like him a lot too. Purely like he's, his company is, uh, Tesla is there just to push forward the electric car movement. You know, like he's given out a lot of his patents for his stuff and he's like, if someone can beat me, then beat me. Like yeah. we all win. Yeah. And I think that's where Christians should be. Like, um, I think the the main argument is what I was saying. Like, people are going to say, like, yeah, well, whatever resources you're devoting to saving orangutans, you could devote towards starving children in Africa. It's like, that's a, that is a, a great point, but that's a conversation I want to have, and I want to figure that out. And that's not something people are talking about. Yeah. 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 With, um, so I just... Uh, I don't know how I started. I think I just saw it on Netflix, um, but the Our Planet yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you talked so, about orangutans, yeah. in Sumatra. Yes, so I just went through Our Planet, Blue Planet, um, Planet Earth, like everything. Dad or David Attenborough, which his voice is phenomenal. 
Um, yes, so it fun really to listen is. to. Yeah. Millions of cockroaches. Everything's like a, this like really raspy whisper. Yeah. Um, but it's it is shocking, and like I said, there it doesn't matter what you think and where you stand. It should be coming from a place of, well, this is interesting. Like, if this is true, what should we do about it? Yeah. Instead of a this isn't true or this can't be true. Yeah. Um, it dude, it scares me so much. Like the rhinos. Okay, oh, yeah. rhino is like my all-time favorite animal. Oh, that's not like what you said <laughs> earlier. No, that's not you true. Guys, oh, Maybe so I can change my answer. My answer. I said polar bear earlier. If I uh-huh. could take home one animal from the zoo, um, I freaking love rhinos, and it, and a rhino species <coughs> went extinct. Yeah, in your lifetime. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, the black rhino. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some ways like there's one more left in the world, I think, but it's a f- male or a it's female. A, yeah, I think it's a male. So they're extinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've been declared extinct because there's no way that they can be reproduced. Yeah. Um, same thing with right. And it's for really stupid stuff. Like people are killing rhinos and elephants to for harvest their, ivory. their yeah, for their ivory because it's some sort of virility thing. Yeah. And it's not. It's, it's like not fingernails. at all. And it's yeah. just like so much like ignorance and like dumb stuff. And I really, I feel like uh, one of my favorite kind of places to go back in the Bible is in the garden. In the very beginning mm. when God created, you know, the earth and and put Adam and Eve and said, you know, basically this is your place, like, uh, use it, like cultivate it, keep it, yeah. um, multiply, but like subdue the earth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he let man name all the animals. He said like, this is my garden, like keep it, like garden yeah. it. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a very under uh, appreciated responsibility for men and for human beings to take care of the earth yeah, and to really like respect it and to, um, to not be really dumb with it. Like, being super dumb right now selfish in a lot of ways it's yeah uh, yeah and like i don't i'm i don't know the answer i don't know what the right uh, balance of it is but um i really feel like we're not meeting it right now and um yeah i agree with you man yeah so that is one of the things that i struggle with is if i'm gonna like give money yeah. Or if I'm gonna give time, where do I put it? Yeah, you know. Okay, so we're we're, we're donor level members at the zoo. Yeah, because I feel like that's a really small contribution that I can like make. Yeah, and like be a part of for an organization that I think has a really large potential to make an impact, and I have fun with it too. Like it kind of goes both yeah. ways. You're not gonna like my answer to this, Corey. <laughs> so how do you balance, like you said, giving first to God's people and children and and human beings, yeah, with the earth and with animals and kind of where we live, yeah. Um, so something really important. So I do all my like at the mall when I have someone walk up to me and say, um, "Hey, this species of dolphin is going extinct. Can you give twenty dollars to save the dolphins?" I'm like no dude don't talk to me and then they usually cuss at me and tell me like i'm a dirt bag and i'm like yeah i got you like i knew you were that person yeah. that's why i'm not doing this busted yeah which like like you're saying is that like throwing the baby out with the bath water um but what i 
what I've been doing, and maybe a ministry will start to better answer this, but um, when I travel, like when I went to Peru, um, a big thing my buddy was like making sure we were doing, because my, my friend Nick Villarino is really into this as well, was making sure that we're at like a sustainable eco-lodge that is really paying into the environment and fostering it. So I went and did that. I gave my money to that, and I got a bunch mm. of cool memories out of that. And now I'm going around and I'm like preaching the gospel of this eco lodge, the good news of this and, (laughs) and the good news of these, of going to Peru and enjoying this. And I feel like that goes a long way. Um, it's like, I'm going out there, I'm enjoying this stuff. I'm taking pictures and like, I'm going to have some pictures with orangutans. I'm going to be like watching elephants this like, uh, September in Sumatra and uh, just to get people thinking and get people maybe going to that and realizing, like, yeah, maybe we should pay attention to this. Yeah. Um, that's my, like, selfish answer right now. But uh, that's where my money's going in that and um, in my time and my energy and my thought. And uh, and in conversations like this, I really like talking to Christians about this and yeah. non-Christians. I, I feel like this is one of the things that, um, like, I would never would have, I mean, I wouldn't even talk to Jeremy because Jeremy doesn't care about it. Um, but like one of the things <laughs> that was kind of like unlocked in me mm. when Monique and I got married or, I mean, mm-hmm. even before we got married, when we started dating. Yeah, and you guys went to the zoo. And- yeah, it was like, it was so refreshing to like, this is like who I, I do care about this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do love animals and I do like care about this. And, um, and I think it is a God given thing. Like, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, but I don't know, like, like what, what do you do? What are you supposed to do about it? I've got another, (laughs) uh, okay. You, this is going to be controversial. I think uh, the uh, American hunting movement is, um, does so much conservation work. Like, uh, elk, were largely extirpated from their natural habitats in a lot of places in North America. Uh, the only reason they came back was because of hunters. Um, in however long ago, I think it was uh, like the early 1900s, um, hunters and gunsmen, sportsmen, uh, were all on board for this tax, largely on board for this tax called the Pittman-Robertson Act, uh, where they're going to get charged 11% more on their guns, their ammunition, all hunting and fishing supplies. And that all goes to, um, wildlife conservation. Hmm. Um, so you have stuff like that. You have like the ducks unlimited stuff that's going towards like saving wetlands environments and blah, 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 blah. Um, all towards these guys who like eating ducks and eating elk and they like being outside and they love these animals. And it's like a weird thing. Cause like you kill them to save them. Um, it's something I'm trying to figure out, like why I mm. like eating fish and elk and deer <laughs> and how I, I rectify that with my love for animals. But, um, I mean, on pen and paper, they have done a lot. Um, Interesting. So, so there's like a lot to be talked about in this. There's so many angles. And uh, I hope some people talk about this after all this because, uh, like I said, Corey, I could talk to you about this for a long time. <laughs> well, it was interesting to me um, after I watched – our planet uh i had i just because it was released sort of recently yeah um at least the latest one and mm-hmm. I, I went back through like a lot of the other ones nice. and the older ones saw the lizard escape the snakes yes that was crazy but um 
Jeremy, what's your thought on this? <laughs> <laughs> I was thought. just thinking, you guys are dorks. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm thinking of a new table design. I love, yeah, uh, I love you both, but anyway, continue. Um, but this article was released on like. I mean, so I'm biting my nails, <laughs> 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 and I don't bite my nails, and right now I'm biting my nails. Anyway, because you're on, at, you're like into this. I'm or? like, all oh, right, he's well, so okay, bored. Okay, okay, he's bored. so out of it. <laughs> it's okay. Um. So they released an article about like the impact already that like David Attenborough's had through you know these documentaries that he's done. Yeah, it's like he's like an honorary doctorate for somewhere. Yeah, like the amount of money and like awareness and basically they, they did the study. I forgot like what the question was, but it was like a double, uh, a double like Im- improvement in like the people's response of yeah. like we should essentially their stance of like no we should care about this or like I'm going to give to a conservation effort or something. Um, so he kind of like single-handedly like yeah, brute force his way into like forcing some like action or like awareness at least. Yeah, man. And people. like, like you said, like that's like a, I'm doing like a boiled down version of that. Like the other day I was fishing. I know you like fishing, Jeremy. Come on, get with me on <laughs> yeah, this. I'm in this. Uh, I was out in the ocean and dude, we were fishing for yellowtail for like six hours caught like two calico bass like just not a good day of fishing um but this uh i think it was like a humpback whale just starts jumping out of the water by us yeah and uh we're like 50 yards away from this whale and it's just and it goes down and then it like gets enough energy to just like almost come like 75 percent out of the water and we're just like following this whale and i'm like and i'm taking videos and i'm telling people about it and people like that's so cool and just giving some uh, glory to the beauty of God's creation, you know? He made such cool stuff, and uh, we should care about it a little bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll close with this thought, and that's that. Right. Um, I often think about, uh, like I said, going, going back to the garden. Like, how did God intend things to be mm-hmm. and for us to live on this earth? And so, like, the um, you know, heaven is the new earth and the restored version of what God originally attended intended for us and so i imagine like well like what's it going to be like and i think that the earth and animals have a lot to do with it and in what capacity i don't know can they talk maybe not probably not hopefully maybe maybe hopefully Hopefully narnia is accurate yeah hopefully narnia is accurate um but i think that there's a lot to look forward to and maybe even a lot that we're missing out on even today of god's creation and his glory through it i think that's a really unexplored yeah kind of topic oh yeah Corey, i gave a sermon about beavers once that oh i remember that hey nice yes i loved you in that (laughs) wait i was supposed (laughs) to let you finish i was i I, on the contrary don't remember that (laughs) (laughs) okay just kidding i do oh man a lot i remember because i was like man i wish i could weave like animals into my message like (laughs) that great and so I remember thinking, like, wow, where did he even, like, find all this? And, like, anyways, I do remember that. Yeah, okay, just really quick to clarify, Mike Van Meter thinks I stole that from him. <laughs> I got all that information from a documentary, so Mike. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. Nice. Okay, well, to wrap up. Um, what time are we at? How long How long are we doing? 8.40. <laughs> I think we're way over time. I don't <laughs> know. We don't have a time. Yes, yeah, I think they might. Dude, we, we're sick. making new records every week, pretty much. 
Um, so welcome, bro. Welcome. You you now have the new record. So yeah. beat that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so favorite books, podcasts. I don't know resources. Oh man. Uh, okay, I'm gonna try to be concise. Um, really love Pilgrim's Progress. Um, the Eric Metaxas biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um. It's something about like the life of a spy or something. Really, 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 really good book. Um, Eric Metaxas did a biography on Martin Luther. Really, really, really good book. I love that. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's um, Life Together or The Cost of Discipleship. I'm like, anytime I have downtime on Audible, I'm listening to that. Um and then I have like a lot of fiction books. I, I love fiction books. Like it gives me joy. It gives me life. I, I find myself in cycles of like nonfiction and fiction. Hmm. Um, and that's like a way longer, crazier list. But uh, some favorites or like top of mind? Um, I really love this series I'm doing right now by John Scalzi called The Old Man's War. Um I really loved the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. Um, he wrote iRobot. Um, oh, interesting. It's kind of, s- it's super slow, but like great payoff. Um, man, I've listened to so many books and read so many in the last two years. Those are like the big ones. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's all. Okay. That's good. Those are, those are great ones. Those are great recommendations. Um, who do you look up to? This could be like directly or, you know, authors, preachers. Yeah. Um, Hank Dimahusky is the guy I'm meeting with my mentor. I really look up to him. I started, I started meeting with him cause he's done working full time and doing ministry. And I was like, dude, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Hoffman. Uh, I think I've, I've had like more just profound conversations just sitting there listening to mark talk casually about something than with anyone and it's always so influential on me Mm. and just Mm. seeing how mark treats people um it's good i love him i love that man so much i've learned so much about jesus from him and then the other person is uh dave matranga Mm. when uh when i have a hard time thinking about how jesus would do something i think how would david do it Mm. and uh i can usually figure Mm. it out from there yeah, that's good. Uh, if you can go back to 18-year-old Zach and just sit down and have a heart-to-heart with him, what would you say? I'd just punch him in the gut and be like, <laughs> yeah, dude, just <laughs> you're not going to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Like, seriously, I don't know what I could tell myself. Um, I had so many people tell me all throughout high school, like, um, you need to pay attention. You need to take this stuff seriously. Um, and I heard it all and I just wouldn't do it. I had to like kind of hit rock bottom. Um, so I really think I'd just like play some sort of joke on myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm you from the future. You're going to lose, uh, some very vital organs. (laughs) And, uh, I'd be like, Oh no, please no. And I, I would mess with myself. Yeah. That's what I do. Okay. I love it. I don't have a good answer for that. That's okay. Um, if you could say one thing to the next generation of Christian men. And it doesn't have to be, it could be two things too. You can cheat. Uh, we'll, we'll allow it. We'll excuse it. Um, but if you could say just, you know, one thing to the next generation of Christian men of, you know, younger Christian men, especially, what would it be? 
I think it would be find pastors you can trust and stick to them. Hmm. I think that'd be my main thing. Yeah. Why? What's behind that? Um, yeah. That that kind of verse we talked about in Jeremiah, um, sticking, finding those ancient paths uh, that have been carved out. Um, and me, I know, like I have young men who really resent some of the advice I give them and the pastoring I try to give them. And uh, they come back to me because they know I care about them. And they're like, yeah, Zach, you're the only guy who's still here for me. You're the only guy I know who'd take my phone call. And um, stick to people like that. Um, I have people like that in my life who I know um, are always going to be there for me. Um, like I, like those people I listed, um, my dad is always going to be there for me. Like uh, this, It's so helpful to have people like that. Um, so stick to them. The Bible says that they're going to be held accountable for the stuff that they tell you, uh, for the pastoring that they give you. That's what I believe the people I pastor over. I don't just casually... Um, give people advice i i believe if they make a mistake i'm going to be held accountable for it so yeah that's uh, a scary position to be in too yeah it's a lot of responsibility and totally find people who believe that and uh, let them uh, pastor you yeah great well zach it's been a pleasure um jeremy you have any final thoughts or words or oh, things to say go ahead Say it. You think animals are stupid. <laughs> Dude, I love Mac. He's my guy. Dude, he's chewing on the power cord. He's going to die. Max. And you're going to be like, oh, I'll get a new one. I mean, Corey's going to be crying. <laughs> um, no, dude, I think that um, I'm grateful. I think that you have a um, like a good a good perspective. I think most people we, we've brought on, like they've been <clears throat> like a bit above, like, I don't know, like they're 30 or older, right? So they're kind of like yeah. past where we're at. I think you have like an interesting perspective being like a bit above us but still like kind of in it yeah, so right they're peers with you guys yeah. doing the same stuff so married i i appreciate what you have to say and yeah, yeah. thank you yeah. yeah well zach thank you once again, again. Yeah. um if you want to leave us a rating and review you can go to itunes or whatever podcast app that you use uh give us five stars preferably six you can just drop in a star Dude, emoji only into six. the comments. Only That's right. Six. You're right. Only six. Yeah. We should really just <laughs> don't waste our time with five. I'm Don't only six. coming back if it's all seven star reviews. Seven stars. Okay. Well, if you like this episode, give us a seven star review and tell us about <laughs> their favorite, uh, your favorite topic that we covered with Zach today. Um, otherwise, we will see you in the next one. Peace.